0: Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. My guest this week is the millionaire educator who's turning Twitter into his personal art gallery, Dino from The Art of Purpose.
1: This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives grow strong and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the renaissance of men. You are the renaissance. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is
2: AOP, and this is the moderator AMA. First of all, I want to thank each and every one of you for signing up and joining Create Publish Profit. I am so stoked to be here. This is our third round. This is our biggest round ever. And all I already I can tell that this is gonna be a good crew. Already I can tell I'm going through I went through all of your responses. I've been checking them out. And I've even been talking to you as well on the side. Some of you guys have been sending me a few questions. And um, by the way, I'm getting to those questions like as soon as I can. Sometimes it takes me a bit to go to see them. But today's session is we're going to be talking about our journey. All right. And the point of us talking about our journey is so that you can help find yours. So the number one question that I'm getting right now from people is I'm actually a little surprised by this. I was just talking to Eddie about this as well is people are having a hard time, especially the newer accounts, especially somebody who's starting right now. Some of the accounts are having a hard time figuring out what what their niche. That's pretty much it. So I'm getting like AOP. I'm not sure if I should write about this or I'm not sure if this is a viable niche. So Over the next few days, we are going to go into that quite a bit. That's going to be a focus for a lot of you. But we're going to start by telling our story because I think, and I know Eddie and Save Your Sons have had very different kinds of – they're two different, completely different accounts. And their journey has been completely different from each other. So our story is going to serve as an inspiration for you. Every time this this cohort keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger – and um, it's just going to keep growing and growing. So if you haven't had a chance yet, please go and watch. the Well, if you're here in attendance, hang out. But if you haven't, make sure you go watch the welcome video inside the lesson one room inside the welcome video. I give a little bit of a background on my account, why I got started, why I joined Twitter. I want to start a question to save your sons. I want to ask you just straight up. Why did you start your Twitter account, and what was your journey like from the beginning? What's your
0: relationship like with social media? Because in the past 15 years or so, social media has become such an enormous part of our reality. We're like the proverbial fish swimming in water. We just can't see it for what it is. Posting on Facebook has replaced socializing. Videos on YouTube are watched more times than classic films. A vacation without Instagram photos is basically not a vacation, and tweets are considered headline news. Let's think about that last one for a second. A man or a woman can take out a smartphone, type one sentence, click send, and drive the global news narrative for 24 hours or more. Hundreds of millions or perhaps even billions of people affected by 280 characters or less. That's at the highest level. At the everyday level, it's hard not to check our notifications before bed or before breakfast because, as Ed Lattimore says, engagement is the new cocaine. Whether we're part of an active group chat with friends, an online argument where someone is wrong on the internet, or even our own niche of the global conversation, when something major happens to humanity, the reality of that shows up in our lives every few seconds or so more often if we're lucky and we go viral. I'm not the only person to make some of these observations, but this shift happens so quickly that I don't think we really understand it. It's like a tidal wave. The smartphone earthquake happened beneath the seas of our shared reality, and the social media wave swamped the landmasses of our lives, knocking down big and ancient barriers in the process, most of which would have been better left standing. Now we're living in the flood. Time to learn to swim. Which brings me to my guest this week. His name is Dino, but you may know him better by his Twitter handle, The Art of Purpose, or at Creation 24 7. Dino's mostly anonymous on the platform, but here are the things we do know, though you'll learn much more soon. He's a husband, a new father, and a former public school teacher, and one day he decided he'd had enough of his low expectations for himself and his life, and he decided he wanted out. And he made it, discovering the art of his own purpose, you might say, and then in the midst of the COVID crackdown, he discovered Twitter, which is how I found him. Most of you probably first connected with me through Instagram, but earlier this year I decided that while I had some inexplicable success on Twitter, growing to almost 2,000 followers God only knows how, it was time for me to take the global conversation about masculinity on that platform a bit more seriously. But Twitter is nothing like Instagram or Facebook. It's not like anything in human history, in fact. It has its own culture, history, and language. It's like a foreign country in that way. And learning Twitter's rules can have a brutal learning curve for those accustomed to posting pictures of a Ryan Gosling character with a caption that says, Men do hard things. No disrespect to any of my listeners who've done that, by the way, but come on, you know who you are. Anyway, if Twitter were an actual foreign country, I would have done what I usually do, which is buy a plane ticket, land, and figure it out as I go with the help of a local. I did it with China and India. I can do it with Twitter, right? Well, while Twitter is like a foreign country, it's not actually a foreign country. In some ways, it's more like a blood sport. Remember what I said about 280 characters going viral around the world? That can be a very good thing or a very bad thing. And you don't want to be the guy who goes viral for the wrong reasons. So rather than risking my account, my reputation, my business, and my brand learning the hard way, I decided to hire a teacher. Which brings us back to Dino. You know how they say when the student is ready, the master appears? That's exactly what happened. One sale later and I was in. And that single decision might have been the most important one I've made in my entire history with social media which goes back to niche platforms most people have never heard of. So, like most, if not all of you, I too was once drowning in the flood of social media. But through Dino's Twitter courses, I learned of this concept called swimming. You mean, I can do that? Yes, and not only that, he showed me some basic strokes. And before I stretch this metaphor too far, let's make it concrete. Just a couple months after finishing his courses, my Twitter follower count is up by 1,500 followers, And growing almost hourly, and it's not even my sole focus. My Instagram is up by 2,000 as well. As a content creator, this is so rewarding to see, and I believe Dino's work can do the same for you, but only if you'd like to learn to swim. In our conversation, Dino and I discussed his extensive background in the arts and music, how anxiety is the weapon used against men and women in society today, the limitations of reactionary red pill culture why listening to classical music is like time traveling and some of his favorite pieces, why Alex Jones is a psyop, how you get to play the game you decide to create, and finally, the differences between Instagram and Twitter and his guidance on how to be successful on both platforms. Dino's work has helped shift my mindset towards social media from a burden to a potential enormous blessing for everything I do. I no longer fear Twitter or Instagram as mysterious systems. I look forward to using them for my purposes. You know how they say if the product is free, you're the product? It turns out two can play at that game. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. Please take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and a rating on Spotify. Also, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ren of Men because like Dino, I produce different content on both platforms and subscribe to my mailing list by visiting my website at renofmen.com/newsletter. And before we begin, don't forget to click the links in the description for more information about Dino's most popular products, all of which I've used and recommend. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, the social media educator, millionaire, musician, husband, father, former Mustang owner, and a man who has made purpose into an art form, Dino from The Art of Purpose. Dino from The Art of Purpose, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast.
2: Thank you so, so, so much for having me here today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today.
0: Oh man, well, this, I've been so excited to have this conversation because I was thinking about it and uh, I started using social media uh, 20 years ago. I think the first social media platform I remember using was called LiveJournal. Have you ever heard of LiveJournal?
2: No, actually I don't. I'm-
0: <laughs> yeah, but up in, I lived in San Francisco, and there were two really popular platforms. There was LiveJournal and Tribe.net. Did you ever hear of Tribe either?
2: No. this is I, I do know Prodigy, if you guys know back then.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so those were really popular just, in, just up in the Bay Area, like in the, in the early 2000s. And I've been using social media since then in various ways, but um, I was excited to have this conversation because I don't think anyone has changed my mind so much about social media as much as you have in 20 years of, of using it so i was excited to dive into this conversation with you
2: oh i appreciate it i i have some radical opinions for how what social media means and what social media should be used for
0: i would like to hear these radical opinions because this is a this is a space for radical opinions because I, I i think that <laughs> no really I, I think i think people need to share them because. I don't know that people really understand. Some people I know speculate about, you know, social media has had a huge impact on humanity. And I think it has, but no one can really figure out how. And no one can get past that once they figure out how. Well, then what are we supposed to do with it? And it's just this enormous part of our lives that happened almost overnight.
2: Absolutely. Um, It's social media, you know, I've discussed this often a lot with my friends who are, you know, on social media platforms and, I think that social media has had a bit of a net negative impact to society, mm. and I know that's that's a that's a take as we just built it up one way. But what social media does is it basically amplifies what you want, right? It, it's it's it it it, it's, it can play into some of the worst parts of humanity, mm-hmm. and you know we have a, a, a dark side to us and social media can be easily used to smart people can easily use it to exploit people who are very impulsive so the reason why social media has been a net negative for society is because of you know people's people are using it not they're, they're using it for for dopamine hits as opposed to learn it's it's all about what you get out of it right you can you can use social media to change the world Right, I know that sounds real flaky and corny, or change your life. And the crazy part is, it's ba- it's improved my life in every single aspect. Hmm. But I'm extremely disciplined, right? So I know what I can use social media for. It's a tool. It's an incredible tool that can be used to amplify your voices, uh, outside the box voices. Um, it's a place for where you can make money. It's a place where you can have a career. It's a place where you can meet interesting people and make friends, but that's not why people are going on the social media. Um, there's a really interesting movie. Have you ever seen the movie Being John Malkovich? Mm, yeah, a long time ago. Okay, so they come across like this incredible technology, right, where they can like portal into somebody's mind, right. And that's kind of, <laughs> I always thought that was one of the best analogies for what social media turned into because they didn't use it to understand humanity better or understand themselves better. They wind up <laughs> using it just like sex, right? Yeah. And <laughs> they went right to like their worst carnal desires. And that's kind yeah. of how social media has, has had a net negative impact, just like all those people were trapped inside of Malkovich's mind, all those wound up being there is almost a way like most people come on the social media and wind up becoming trapped more in the matrix as opposed to escaping it. Well,
0: so when did you, I know some of your story from having been in a uh, masterclass and, um, and, uh, create published profit, but so like walk me through, walk the audience through some of you, how you came to these realizations. Cause I think it's really important because again, we live with this stuff every day, but not a lot of people are able to kind of pop their head out of the matrix and take a look at this and be like wait a minute I could do something with this versus you know uh versus doom scroll let's say
2: right so <laughs> right doom scrolling absolutely awful so one day i woke up and i don't know i was extremely je- energetic and i was like i'm going to decide to change my life today like you know i had been somebody who was Educated through academia, master's degree, in education. Worked in public schools. Was very successful in public schools, and at the same time, I knew I wasn't realizing my potential in life.
3: Mm.
2: So, yeah, right. And um, I was still, you know, it's it's like when you're in that loop of just doing the same thing every day, over and over and over again. And that's kind of like what a nine to five is is like working. Yeah, I was trapped in that cycle and i woke up one day just completely i am going to what i'm going to do whatever it takes to become wealthy now i know that sounds like an absurd thing to aim for but really what i wanted to do was buy my time in life mm-hmm. okay so that was ultimately my end goal i know i get people saying oh my gosh you only cared about the money no i cared about my time mm-hmm. um so i started to embark on this journey understanding you know And I grew up in it, you have to remember, I grew up in a blue-collar house. We didn't talk about stocks. We didn't talk about investing, okay? None of that, none of that is, uh, none of that was on the plate. So I decided to educate myself. I learned everything I could about personal finance. I learned everything I could about investing. And I started to become obsessive with it. Like the way that I approached academia, I approached personal finance. So Mm -hmm. I went real deep into it, just, you know, down the rabbit hole, and it changed my life because then I realized, uh, especially after reading Your Money or Your Life, uh, you know, t- buying things, stuff, you're basically, you know, you're. you're it's either you're going to be able to you can you can buy two things you can buy time in life or you can just buy stuff right what's going to bring mm-hmm. you happiness and started thinking about it from that perspective so I got really serious about it and then my wife and I we started to invest all of our money like. You know, very serious uh, into, you know, those 401k, 457s, those kinds of things for a long time. And on top of that, I started to start side hustles. So I got really in, into all, this. I learned all of this stuff on the internet. I mm-hmm. came across blogs. I would read all the best financial uh, advice out there from stocks to index funds to even starting flipping, right? So I started to do all of these flipping type things, got really deep into that. And, you know, fortunately, after like six and a half years, I was able to um, be in a position where I didn't have to work a nine to five anymore if I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. So, not bad. So, right. So, that's how I use the internet, right? To escape the nine to five matrix. Unfortunately, that's not how everybody's going to use it. So, for me personally, and, and from a health perspective as well, like, you know, one of the be- beauty about Twitter, and I know a lot of people like to knock it, but yeah. on Twitter, you're allowed to follow whoever you want to follow. <laughs> right. Right. So if you hate Twitter, you hate yourself. Like, I don't yeah. get it. You hate who you follow. Your timeline is a reflection of your thoughts. So, yeah. you know, go clean up who you follow and what you're reading. You can curate what you do. So I've heard a lot about this, you know. And uh, I agree, as I said earlier, about all of those people who think, you know, social media is hurting society. Yeah, um, because people's approach to social media is so poor. They don't yeah. understand about content curation and they don't, you know, they, they just sit there and, and it goes deeper than just social media. People are conditioned to believe to be good consumers, right? And yeah. this is through all stages. You know, you go to school you follow orders. The people who follow the orders the best are the ones that are most rewarded. Creative thought isn't really something that is, uh, you know, that is encouraged <laughs> or going no priority or pro- yeah, prioritized. Yeah, I taught public school for twenty years. Okay, so I know. Oh yeah, doesn't. we're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we can talk a lot about that. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's something that's not encouraged. It is uh, you have to fall in line. And uh, society conditions you to um, want to think a certain way, and you know one of the cool things about social media is that you're you're allowed to share to an extent. You're allowed to share your ideas, what you believe in, your values. They're unfiltered. They aren't being passed by some producer who's in another location who has an agenda, and Mm -hmm. people who have an agenda. So that's the beauty about social media, is you're, you're allowed to f- follow who you want. If you don't like it, it's your fault. Um, and it's a great place for you to master certain ideas as well. And that comes through the creative process. Um, if you're familiar with the Feynman technique, right, the last step of it is mastery. You, but to get it, you have to teach someone else. So that's what's really cool about social media. And during COVID, I lost my classroom. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I had been on Twitter as a consumer for a long time, just following these financial accounts, fitness accounts, improving my life. And I lost my classroom and I was kind of upset. It was a depressing world, May of 2020, right? People were really like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is bad. And I lost my classroom and kind of lost a lot of like focus. So to get it back, I was like, you know what I should do? I should just start a Twitter account. I bet there's a lot of really interesting things I can talk about through my life. I've had a really great, interesting six years. I had become a millionaire just recently right around that time. So I was like, maybe I can just write about this and like lessons that I've learned while teaching in the classroom. So, and share cool art because I love art. Um, I've been involved in the art world since I was a kid. So Mm -hmm. I I decided to combine all those, started tweeting about it, and the account took off. And in complete teacher fashion, I wanted to teach other people what I learned to complete that last Feynman step technique, you know, that last one. So I wanted to teach other people what I knew and had learned about social media. So that's when I started my first course, which just sold over 2,000 copies, Create 24-7. Yeah.
0: All that stuff, that'll be linked in the show notes as well.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to check it out, absolutely just click on the links. I'll send you some links to those. So yeah, that's that's my take on social media. It's a place for people to express themselves, take part in the creative process, share their ideas. And the, you know, there's a lot of beauty in social media. And I think society would heal quite a bit if we started to see the beauty behind what and the power behind what it can do properly.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Since, since taking your courses, I've gotten more into Twitter than I was before and uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've made a lot of great connections. I've, I've learned a ton, especially about writing and self-expression and about social media as well. that I mentioned, and, you know, I'll talk to people about Twitter and they'll say, oh, Twitter's awful. It's a hellhole. I can't stand it. It's like my experience for Twitter has been almost universally positive because I've it curated my feed. Like, I don't see anything that I don't, that I don't want to see. Yeah, you can say like Echo Chamber or whatever. It was like, I don't need to see, you know, the World Health Organization on my Twitter feed. Like, I want to see things that make me better, that make me smarter.
2: The funny part is they get suggested to me all the time. And of course, I sure. just them. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, everything you see on your feed is what you want to see. You ultimately choose it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the same is true for all of my social media platforms. Like, I, I don't want to see anything. I don't. First of all, I don't, want to see, I don't want to see two things. I don't want to see anything that makes me feel terrible, right? And that's pretty easy. You know that when you see it. And I don't want to see anything that, that is very obviously manipulating my dopamine, right? So on Instagram, yeah. for example, you go on the Explore page and, you know, there'll be all kinds of girls doing TikTok dances and stuff like that. And you could just go and, you know, long press on that and say, I don't want to see this because I don't want to see that stuff. Like, I want to see stuff that inspires me, that uplifts me, that entertain, entertains me just enough so that I can put it on, put it down and go about my life. But I think so many people get hooked into this loop of, um, of either, you know, getting angry at things that they're force fed. They feel like that they have to accept or getting, or or things that manipulate them versus using social media to improve their lives. Um, and that's just always seemed very natural to me, but most people don't really seem to use it that
3: way.
2: Right, most people are doing it for the dopamine hits. Yeah, they're doing, yeah, yeah, and that's the wrong, and that's the trap, right? That's the trap about social media. You can use it to, you can use it to improve your life, or you can use it to get trapped deeper, deeper inside the matrix.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's
0: let's go back a little bit. I want to start. Um, I guess the first question is like, if if you can uh, if you can let us in a little bit into that like six and a half year period when you were you were still teaching and you were running these side hustles. And maybe if you can sort of talk about uh, the learning curve for one of them, you mentioned that you got into flipping. Um, uh, it, it, maybe you can talk about that one. Or if there's, there was just another one that you felt was really educational during that particular time, because that sounds to me like that six and a half year process was setting you up for, um, for the man that you were going to become. So I'm curious about what was going on during that time, some of the things that you were learning as you were, I guess, skilling up.
2: Right so the 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 journey in the six and a half years i mean it it, it it could even be brought back a little before then so one of the thing, one of the positive things about having a degree from a college is you'd learn how to research okay and i've always had that ability because I have a master's degree I learned how to research, I learned how to like dive deep into topics very well and Probably one of my biggest strengths is comprehension. So, <laughs> I could go deep into something and pretty much get a vibe for what they're talking about and then implement those strategies and steal them, download them and make them part of my own arsenal. So, that's pretty much was my approach from day 1 when I decided to embark on this path and it was funny the day I woke up I I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I want to invest in this company called Tesla. And this was like back in mm-hmm. 2000. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, it's unbelievable. It's like in 2012 before anyone had heard of it. In fact, I was one of those guys that was like, mm. hey, have you ever heard about this company, Tesla? Like, I read like a, like a car and driver article on them and I was just like blown away by what this was. So I was like, okay, I need to get as much money together and start investing in Tesla.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So I went around starting building a portfolio and just started buying. And this was like when it was, you know, split adjusted, I would probably think it'd be like just a couple bucks um, stock. Yeah. So I was going pretty deep into it and was like, you know what? My, My strengths, right? I understand aesthetics and I write pretty well. So, you know, I'm going to get really into flipping. So, I was one of those guys that would like just scope out Craigslist and just, you know, buy stuff in bulk, you know, from either uh, estate sales or from Craigslist themselves um, and get people to sell me stuff. I would sell it, take really good pictures, write really good copy, and then put it online. And um, did pretty well with that, did all right with that. Along with investing and not spending any money, basically this was it. I didn't, I didn't want to live life the way I wanted to anymore, and right, I was right. willing to do whatever it needed to take to get out of that. So one of the first things I did was, and this is pretty crazy. A lot of people gave me a lot of slack for this, but psychologically it was a big deal. Um, I had like this Mustang convertible that I absolutely loved. It was almost <laughs> brand new. Man, it was, it was freaking boss, dude. Like you know, it was an awesome ride. <laughs> And I looked at it, and I was like, "This isn't really bringing me happiness, right?" Like what? Yeah, yeah. And I think people need to take a deep look at possessions. Um, You know, a lot of the time they wind up bringing you what you don't really think they're supposed to bring. Like, yeah, it's cool to drive a car and have fun for a little while, but the dopamine hit gets you get over it really quick. So I had this car, and I was like, okay. It's a cool car, no doubt. But it no longer, and this is why I like to talk a lot about purpose, it no longer was in line with what my purpose in life was going to be. So I looked at it and I said, I need to get rid of this car. So I took it and I traded it for the most economical car mathematically that I could trade it for, which was a Nissan Leaf at the time. So I went from like,
0: (laughs) oh man,
2: (laughs) yeah, man. Yeah. Full commitment, full
0: commitment, respect, respect.
2: Well, I think that you need to do, it's almost like a ritual, man. It's like, if you're going to decide to embark on this journey, you're going to need to do something drastic. And it was like burning the boats. So, you know, a lot of people go, how did you get your wife on board with this? Well, like I gave up my favorite possession first. So I took the car and I traded it pretty much straight up for a new brand new Leaf at the time. And... um. You know, you're like, well, my cost, so I like had calculated everything, like my cost of commuting and everything. And I was one of those guys really looking at all those numbers, but I cut a lot of fat out of the budget and it was, it's, you know, a lot of people on money, Twitter might be listening. Well, well, you should focus on making more money. Yeah, I did. I did both. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the good thing about cut now, if you're, if you're, if you're in a position where you need wins, cutting is actually a good strategy. And the reason why is you're going to all of a sudden start to experience much more cash flow, which psychologically is a great feeling. So I was starting to experience with, you know, side hustles and cutting down on income or cutting down on spending, which I cut greatly. I started to experience all of this cash flow and then just started dumping it into stocks like Tesla, Google take two interactive, which was an, like, Oh my God. Like I, everything I touched stock wise was like an absolute home run. Um, mm. TQQ, which is triple leverage NASDAQ. Like anytime the market dipped back in like from 2013-ish to like 16, I bought every dip. And it just accelerated the pathway out, along with cutting drastically and investing in index funds. Uh you know, I, I was able to get a lot of momentum behind me. So in about a six and a half year period, I was able to be at like what you would call the early stages of being financially independent.
0: I really, when I, when I hear all that, what comes to mind is you mentioned purpose and there's something that happens in the life of a man or a woman or anybody. When you set out on the way and you choose a, a direction and you start purposefully, intentionally walking in that direction, it's kind of amazing how there will be moments. Yeah. There will naturally be setbacks. But it's a little bit like the road will naturally rise to meet you in some ways that you can't that you can't necessarily expect. Like you wouldn't just tell somebody right now to say, like, okay, go in and start investing. Like what you started out your journey doing is you made a meaningful sacrifice of something that was important to you. Like you fully committed to the process and you said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And when when a man does that, when he fully commits to it, when he takes the thing that he most treasures and prizes and puts it on the altar and sacrifices it to move in the direction of his dreams, it's very amazing how there will be things that you can't plan for, that you can't anticipate, that you can't even cause, that will end up benefiting you along the way. And so, so, yeah, go ahead.
2: Okay, I want to talk about the importance. I don't tweet enough about this, but maybe I should. You know, I have written written some threads about them. Um, You know, maybe I should talk a little bit more about this, but finally... writing down your purpose in life and committing to your life purpose is the most important thing that you can do in life. And oh AOP that's a little over. No, it's not.
3: Mm-mm.
2: No, it's not because let's talk about society and how broken most men are.
3: Okay? <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean for real, like really. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, oh, I know. Most men feel like they're invisible, they're rudderless, they're not getting ahead in life and they're not Nothing. Like depression's at an all-time high for men, mm-hmm. suicide, unfortunately. All of these things yeah. are terrible. AOP, you think that you can solve this by men writing a purpose? A- I actually got flack on this one time. One time I tweeted, most men are depressed because they haven't found their purpose. Um, mm-hmm. But I tweeted that for my soul, like I know because I know what it's like to be down. But once I committed to it, and people gave me a really hard time about it, yeah, the answer is yes. Because what you need to do is, I don't think most men have taken the time for themselves to actually think about what they're supposed to be doing in this world, I agree. they have, yeah. Like, and if you're listening and you're and you're hearing us talk, and you haven't defined who you are, you're you're rudderless. And most yeah. men, I just take a look around, and they're just like waking up, going the work, uh, doing the motions, doing their thing. They feel depressed. It's all about your your idea of who you are and what you're supposed to do is going to define you. So you actually have to sit down, take a pencil. This, this, this habit changed my life. I sat down one day and I wrote down my life mission statement, which is the same as a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So you sit down and you write a mission statement about your life, like a a three to four word, word sentence. Like I am going to live a life that is going to be pursuing creating and um, why my life is going to be revolve around creating, waking up every day, adding value into the world. I'm going to be looking to bring quality and beauty into the world. And, you know, and it can, you can have specifics in there. It could be something shallow, like, Hey, I want to buy a Corvette or something like that with cash. It could be something Mm -hmm. like that or, but whatever it is, you have to like sit down, write it down. and. What you're going to do is that's going to bring a lot of it's going to bring a lot of order to the chaos of the world, right? You're going to have a lot more intention about what you do when you're able to see this. So, look at the world from that prism once you write it down. So, I I made a commitment that I was going to become financially independent and I was going to you know, my life mission at that time when I started was to lead a life pursuing financial independence, be the best husband that I could, And um, starting side hustles and investing and getting away from consuming thoughtlessly, right? That I think Hmm. was, it was around my life statement at that time. Not bad. So, yeah, not bad. Um, So, what would happen is people would call me up and be like, hey, it's Saturday night. You wanna go out drinking until two in the morning? Then I would look at my life statement, my life mission, (laughs) and be like, wait a second, that doesn't align with my values right now. Okay? So right. you're going to be in the start. So you, the power of writing it down is so that it's going through, you know, when you go out throughout your day and people try to get you to do something or see things from a different perspective, you can say, hey, but that doesn't align with who I, with who I am. And you're also going to start to generate this kind of excitement about who you are in life. This is kind of cool. So... Every day you get closer to fulfilling your purpose, you're going to wake up and your heart's going to be on fire. It's going to be like, whoa, I am so excited because I'm making so much progress towards my goal. I'm becoming a new person. And it's going to excite you about, is it, there's going to be something so fulfilling. There's going to be, I think there's, a, I don't know, I don't know if there's a word for any of this stuff, but there's, I feel like there's almost like two kinds of dopamine hits that exist. One, is that dopamine hit, you know, that people get when they get likes or retweets, or, you know, those shallow kinds of dopamine hits that society loves to give you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's like those like spiritual dopamine hits. <laughs> right. The title of
0: this podcast is gonna be spiritual dopamine.
2: Oh man, we should that that would be a killer. Spiritual dopamine, right? Love it. I love it. There's a, there's a whole kind of another dopamine hit that's out Kind of like that dopamine hit that you get when you lift weights in the gym. Right. Is that like the same kind of you just feel good, but you need to listen to your body because it's telling you to do it more, right? Mm -hmm. And so once you start paying attention more to those dopamine hits, you're gonna start to gain more momentum, you're gonna become more excited, and you're gonna start pursuing your life mission at all costs. Yeah. And after six and a half years, that's where I found myself. I was able to embark on another journey, on another mission, pursuing around creative purposes because I was able to reach that financial independence stage.
0: Mm. The most, uh, I want to add some nuance to that, because that's what's also true about, because I can hear a lot of men being like, well, what do I even, what do I even do? Which way do I go? I have all these interests. And, And I think one of the powers of making a life mission statement or a purpose statement is that you just decide.
2: It's not that you, you, like you can put in a ton of research. You can change it. You can change your life purpose too, by the way. If you sit down one day, you write it. It's better to have something written down. And then if like a month later, you're like, oh man, I need to, or I learned this and I need to pursue. You can absolutely change it. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yes. Yes. But that initial, that initial effort to make a decision right so you show you're a man and you're th- this is this is what what I did this is the exercise I did for myself because um I was living overseas in New Zealand in 2019 and I moved back to the United States after a bad breakup in early 2020 so I moved into my apartment uh the day the lockdowns hit that was the day I moved into my apartment and so here I am I grew up in Phoenix but I didn't really know anybody here besides a few family members I'm alone in this empty apartment <laughs> right on my own I basically just had a bed. I was, I had no, I had just really bought the bed that day. So I had no furniture, all my stuff, you know, I just had boxes of stuff. So I'm in this apartment. And I'm like feeling kind of on this raft in the middle of this gigantic storm. Like, what am I going to do? Which direction am I going to go right now? There's, there's, there's no work anywhere. There's no one doing anything. Like there's no social life. The whole world is, whole world is ended. And what I, what I said is like, okay, what would I tell myself if, if, if I, if I came and asked myself, if, so, if, if some version of, of me came and asked me what to do, what would I tell him? And what I said was, you know what? Okay, so you're on this raft in the middle of the ocean, right? And the storms are coming and the raft is holding together, okay, but you don't have a sail. You, you, know, you just have to figure out which direction to go. Where's land? I said, you know what I would tell that guy? Just pick a direction and start paddling because the power is just to make the choice and head in that direction. And yeah, you might change, change course on the way. You might even turn all the way around... A, 180 degrees. But the point is to pick a direction and start heading that way rather than waiting for a direction to just present itself to you because you could be waiting forever. And so the power in a man defining his life purpose is not just in the purpose, but defining it. Just make a choice and start moving with all of your effort in that direction and be prepared to course correct along the way. But so many guys get trapped in like analysis paralysis. They look at all the different variables and they try and silver bullet the whole problem. It's like, no, don't silver bullet it. Just start. And that sounds like it's it's what sounds like that's what you did. Like I'm just going to do this
2: thing. Absolutely. And I want to point out one of the main reasons why you need to have one is because even if it's just in a proto stage, even if it's just a draft. Yeah. Men without any kind of semblance of purpose are the type of men that are manipulated and mm-hmm. are if you have no basis for who you are, people are going to define you for you.
0: Yes, your friends, your social media, your government—you know, your job—it's all going to. They will not hesitate. Your wife—they will not hesitate to answer all the questions for you
2: about who your family. That's how it works. They—they follow the pathway that society gives them, right? So, Hmm. yeah, because it's—it's to them, it's almost like too hard. Let's be real. The one of the reasons why they're stalling is because thinking is just too hard, right? Hmm. Say more about that. Well, they're following the path that's already defined by society. They have you see what I mean? It like ties together to the two. They're they're, you know, most people aren't thinking about it because it's just too hard to think about it. They wake up and they're just on the rinse and repeat, same thing, same again, because they're just doing what society has told them, what they're supposed to do. All right. Mm -hmm. So they're they're sitting there. If somebody's making up an excuse to not come up with their purpose is they're just not wanting to sit down and think about why they're on planet Earth. Here, if you're having a hard time thinking about it, all you need to ask yourself is, who do you want to become? That's all mm-hmm. you need to ask yourself. right? And start to, just, it's just a simple question, start defining your life from the basis of who do you want to be? It's almost like reverse engineering your life. right? Mm-hmm. It works. A yeah, lot. yeah it's, it's in a way, it's what you're doing. As you're thinking about the end result, Right, so you're just thinking about who do you want, right? And it's okay to write any of that stuff down. And um, if not, you're gonna. So, so what will happen is over time you'll start making, you'll start inputting the right actions to get you to that end result, right? So I woke up one day and was like, I'm going to become financially independent. That was me reverse engineering my life in a way Mm -hmm. by finding my purpose. And then, so then from there, all of my actions started to fall in line with that one idea i was no longer going i was no longer driving him. you know a loaded mustang i was no longer going out on friday nights for happy hour i was no longer doing all the watching tv instead of doing a side hustle i was no longer playing video games all day long i was working on making myself and my family financially independent because that was what i had defined for myself so then my actions started to fall down through. That. That's why it's so important because if you don't define who you are, your actions will be defined by society itself. You won't mm-hmm. be in control.
0: Yeah, if you ask if you ask society to tell you who am I? Society will give you a thousand different answers for what it wants you to be, what it demands for you to be. It's like, okay, I'll just accept that, right? Um and it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, playing video games and doing all the stuff because obviously I've gotten to know you in this version of you so to try to Hyper motivated, very focused, very disciplined, uh, very giving of the things that you've learned that you know really bears fruit for a lot of people, including me. I have trouble imagining that other version of you with the with the loaded up Mustang and and <laughs> and, and wasting all of your spare time. Like I can't actually imagine that version of of you. Like it, it doesn't. I know that like, we don't know each other that well, but like I can't put those pieces together somehow. So that's a real that's a real sign of a, of a shift, you know, between I can't imagine that who you, who, I can't imagine that, that guy, I guess.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like another person, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Like they, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to picture, I'm trying to picture the the day when you woke up and said, you know what? Like, fuck this. <laughs> Maybe you didn't phrase it that way, but that's the energy. Right.
2: I would say that's, I actually can't remember waking up that day. Yeah. Just being like, fuck this. Absolutely. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing I, I've had enough of this.
0: <laughs> well, and but, you, were, uh, you were. go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, no, no. That's it's exactly how I felt. And, you know, I, I had tweeted about this in my last thread. And it's something to think about. You know, I don't I don't believe that people are static. I really don't. Right. I am, maybe because I taught public school for a long time and I've seen some really interesting transformations myself. But your life, I don't care who you are. Okay? I don't care who you are. You are going to face tragedies in your life. Hmm. Okay? Um, it is all about how you respond to these tragedies. You're either going to sit there and you're going to think you're in the victim mindset or a tragedy is going to happen to you and you're going to be like, what is the biggest lesson that I can possibly learn from this? How you respond to traumatic life events is going to forge you into the person that you're going to become.
3: Yep. yep. If you
0: respond with intention, right? What a lot of people will do is, um, you know, because I'm a, I'm a men's coach. And so I'll do these 12-week transformation processes with my clients. And inevitably, inevitably, especially, especially lately, but inevitably during that 12-week process, something significant would happen. Like one client, um, father got cancer, you know, daughter broke her wrist, you know, everything landed, trouble at work. It all landed like the same day, the same day right? Several weeks into the process. And it was like, there was, an, there was another client who um, had this big challenge with work. And the thing is, what became really important during the process of, of this client's transformation was that they didn't stop, they didn't turn around, they didn't quit, that they continued moving forward. Maybe they slowed down because they had to spread their energies out to deal with these significantly emergent situations, but they didn't stop. They continued moving through them, and then when the situations resolved themselves or cleared up, they were suddenly blessed with all of this speed, because they tested their own strength, right? They had determined that they're stronger than they, than they realized. and um, and then because they were put they, they had to increase their horsepower so much to push through that moment as soon as the moment cleared up, rocket speed straight ahead. So they, dif- they discovered their own capability in the process. And I observe that so many people, when they get confronted with tragedy, even in the deep past, they allow it to slow them down, right? They never make a meaning out of it. They never struggle through it. They never, they never create anything from it and it bogs them down their entire lives because as a culture, we do not know how to handle trauma, right? And, and there is I'm, real stuff out there, but we don't know what to do
2: with it. I'm, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. with um, you. People are engineered these days. Be yeah. victims of trauma.
3: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Like, oh, you know, like the world went underwent a mass traumatic event on yes. purpose a couple of years ago. Right. And how you handled that, right? That was one of the best years of my life. Yep. Which is so bizarre. Right. Right. That was one of the best years of my life. And I was hit with awful thing after awful thing that year. Yep. And you know it's it's all about how you can re- recover and bounce back it's going to make you a stronger person mm-hmm. that's the beauty is there's there something beautiful into that isn't there very much
0: and all these things all these things sound like platitudes right and because because they can be expressed in this really you know quick pithy kind of way but there's reality here like yeah you can express a lot of really uh, really important aspects about life in a tweet and and people do and there's nothing wrong with that what it, what it actually does is it prevents people from hearing the, the deeper message, which is, you really can wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to change my life, and you can do it. You absolutely can. But we hear it. And what's so strange is that we hear it so often that so many people don't take it seriously just for that reason. Like this most essential huh. truth about life, we see it all the time. Like 100 years ago, no one heard this stuff. No one heard every day you can make your life what you want. Right. And now we hear it all the time. People are like, yeah, whatever, bro. It's so strange.
2: <laughs> there might be something to it, but I think repeating the message is important. Oh, um, yes. You know, well, the, the re- okay. So, and, and I'm going to say this, you probably see that message so much because your timeline is curated so well. I don't think most men hear that message. Contrary to what mm. said. I think most men turn on the the TV, they see the news, they, you know, they see what's going on in their reality, and you know they're just basically pay, you know most okay. So most men, they're just most men that are out there. They just pay attention to what the trends are, fads are. They're not thinking deep about what's going on, and they're not really curating what they consume. They watch like the the newest movie on the Netflix or play the, I I don't even. I don't even. I can go on that for ages, but. Uh, they're watching the newest Marvel movie, Netflix movie. I've never seen any of those or video game. I know this because I would go into work as a teacher, and that's what they would talk about. And I was like, "What in earth did you see the new, the Avengers Endgame? I don't even Endgame. What? There's been other movies? I don't know.
0: <laughs> there was a There was a Beginning Game. I missed that one.
2: <laughs> my <laughs> the only Endgame I'm working on is my Endgame. So the <laughs> <laughs> <know> what I,
0: <laughs> adventures endgame end working on my end
3: game.
2: it's the only game I care about and yeah. so I would I would hear about this and some people would make like side comments oh my god when I sold my Mustang it was like embarrassing like people would give me so much crap and considering I got like maybe the worst car on purpose it was it was funny to hear like what regular people were going to say but every single one of those people who talked about all those movies, Netflix talked crap on my car. They're, they're at work right now. Okay. Um, yeah, they are. I'm sitting here having a conversation with you drinking tea and you know, I wake up every single day and I know what it's like to, you know, be there like, Oh man, I got to go into work and work like 12 hours today. And I've got a review. I'm getting, getting reviewed later on today. I hope Mm -hmm. they like my work. I hope I don't make anybody upset or Uh, A parent complains, or, you know, all the stress. And, you know, I hope I cover all of these things that they're telling me I need to teach in the schools. And, you know, I I, I wake up every day and I go, yeah, it's awesome to be alive. I'm going to go lift some weights outside, maybe write a couple tweets or two, share a meme. I spent an hour (laughs) looking at memes on Instagram before I came on with you. (laughs) It's a tough life. And, uh, you know, talk to clients. And you know, it, I mean, there's a, there's definitely demands and yeah. stuff that what what we do now. But it, but I I wake up every single day just grateful to be alive. Just it's just like so grateful to do what I do now, and it's because of all the hard work and purpose yeah. that we had before that put us into this position. So you know, what, when we talk about these other guys that are following the fads and the trends. They're just they don't have anything more meaningful going on in their lives, so that fills a void for them, okay, and I'm not bagging on these guys either right I've been there like i I used to play video games all the time, I still occasionally play one or two, but it's like that's mostly, fine yeah it's like it's not something that is like I'm not sitting around all day and doing it like I have hopped on before uh even recently, but it's not something that is waking me up in the morning and saying, "Oh, I got to play this game today." Or like, "I want to come home and, you know, you talk to regular people and sometimes all they can do is talk about their favorite movies. "But well, what are you doing mm-hmm. in life?" Right? Like, "What are you doing in life?" Do, do you have any cool epic stories about what you did today that was really awesome? Mm-hmm. You know, people people hang a- hanging out with each other and just talking about And I and I get it. Like, it's okay to talk about movies. I'm not saying it's not, but if that's all you do, is that all you do is play video games. All you do is do movies. You're, you're, you're stifling yourself from a creative out, from, from, from reaching your full potential, right? Yeah. And I want to say something about Netflix, and I want to say something about, you know, high, highly disposable movies. I guess Send it. The best way. You need to become hyper-aware about what brings you energy and what takes energy away from you, okay? Mm. So if you're waking up every single morning feeling like your energy drained, there is something incredibly wrong with how you are living life. All right? So if you're going to work and everything is a drain, your boss is demanding, everything's... It's it's killing you spiritually. Then you come home and then you pop on one of those plastic TV shows, The News, which is maybe even worse than a Netflix. Yeah. um, And you're sitting there and it's bombarding you with fear, 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 anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. All of it is, is, is I want to actually tweet more about this. I did tweet about this a couple of days ago. Anxiety is the precursor to evil. Okay. Oh, interesting. Everything evil comes from anxiety. Okay. Hmm. And I want, and I want yeah, yeah. You're mm-hmm. anxious because you've been programmed to be anxious, right? Agreed. Yes. Like, so like a mass traumatic event happens to turn the population anxious. Why? Because they want them to act a certain way. Okay. So mm-hmm. an- anxiety is a weapon. Got it. Right? Agreed. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Anxiety is a weapon. And so what they're doing is they'll turn a large percentage of the population anxious. This is on both sides too, by the way. Neither side's immune from this. Both sides have rabid, anxious people, right? Right. And this is what you need to be hyper aware of. If it's stealing, it, people who are anxious, right? They're having their energy stolen from them. So start paying attention in life to the things, as I said earlier, that give you those natural, beautiful dopamine, real hits. The spiritual dopamine is going to bring you energy. Does lifting weights bring you more or less energy? It brings you more. Tons more. Tons so you more. Should, so you should do more of it, right? Does writing help you bring you or take away writing brings you energy journaling writing um every time i've released a course i've just felt like just so amazing right doing what you want to do in life is one of is like the ultimate flex because everything that you do like me working for people me having clients me helping them write me helping them go viral the right kind of people that i want to see go viral i'm helping them go viral and i and i'm feeling good from it it's a sign from the universe that i need to be doing more of it and people need to start paying attention to more to, to that
0: i love that anxiety is a weapon because it's really true because this this mass traumatic event happened in 2020 no, 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 no.
2: anxiety is the weapon is the it's, weapon it's not a weapon it's the weapon
0: the weapon okay it's it's the weapon it's the weapon used against society when you place people into an anxious state they're looking for some way to res- to resolve to relieve their anxiety, and most people will choose the first available option that's given to them. Like, oh, yeah. there's this and terrible that, disease. Here, take this. Here, lock up, and your ex- anxiety will go away. Okay, make my anxiety go away.
2: Yes, yeah, and that, and and they're they're playing more for your rea- like they already know what your reaction's going to be from. Yes, like they've reversed engineered it from that perspective. It's like, so how do I make people lock themselves up in their house? Ah, I got it. Okay, so. Yeah. 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 So be hyper aware of things that make you anxious, right? That's a way to deprogram. That's if I had to give you like a deprogramming tip is pay attention to what brings you energy and pay attention to things that make you anxious. Also pay attention to the reactions from anxious people. Those aren't their own reactions. Those are the reactions of people who have been programmed.
0: This is, and this gets back to um, to lifting weights as well, or any kind of you know physical exertion, whether it be combat sports or you know just doing some work outside in the yard or whatever. There's no more reliable way to dissipate anxiety than to go work it out physically in the most accessible and available way. You know, I happen to like lifting. I happen to also like boxing, like going to the gym, swinging around a kettlebell, doing some squats, and then pounding on a heavy bag. Like I come home and it's like okay, all my anxiety is gone, whatever amount built up during the day, and that's why it's so important for men, um, especially because men being anxious is like 10x the the amplification factor of anxiety in society. Like you can yeah. you can expect you can expect like women have this diffuse awareness. Alison Armstrong, one of my favorite authors, talks about this. Men are single focus; they focus on one thing at a time, which makes sense. And then women have diff- diffuse awareness of their environment. So because women have diffuse awareness of their environment, they're naturally going to be more predisposed to anxiety because they're monitoring more things at once. Men who are single focus, you know, are able to sque- screen out everything around them to focus on one task. But when a man is anxious, he is unable to focus on the one thing that's in front of him. He can't get his job done. And then that amplifies everything else going wrong. And that increases women's anxiety because they have one more thing to take care of. Which is what the man is supposed to be taking care of. And so men's anxiety amplifies all the destruction in society. And so that's why men need to go find ways to discharge their anxiety every single day. Every single day, because our society will not hesitate to give you reasons to be anxious. And the more and this gets back to the social media conversation, I think that there are some like social media, if you don't curate it expertly, will give you a billion reasons to be anxious before nine AM.
2: Society most of social media, the news, all of it is designed to make you anxious it's yeah. all It's all designed to put you into that state of mind it's yeah. so that because what they care more about is your reaction to it. yeah, so become hyper aware ask yourself how do you feel after you consume something mm-hmm. right How did this make you feel right? Be aware of it so if you're watching the news, does anybody watch the news and go, "Man, I just feel so good <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> No. I just watched Wolf Blitzer on TV. I just feel so good about Isn't myself. It's beautiful. In the world, like I, I feel like I live in a beautiful place. Like no one ever says that, right? So right. one of the reasons why I started the Art of Purpose account was to be the others. Not I don't consider myself the other side, okay? Um they're not on my level. Like I know I'm not trying to say that, but like they're just uh, they're not even the inversion, they're nothing, okay? They're yeah. evil people. So yeah. Um, the, the, what I decided to do was I'm going to give society what it needs. Okay. And they need to see more beautiful paintings. They need to see more beautiful ideas and they need to tap into their own spiritual creativity and, um, you know, reject that kind of consumer mentality and to, and, and to be focused more hyper on Creativity and bringing value into the world, because whenever you create real value into the world, you're going to get those spiritual dopamine hits.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk about your background in the arts. You'd mentioned that I know that you're also a musician. I think I heard you say that once on on a live stream. So let's let's talk because I want to talk about your background in schools, but we'll get to the whole homeschooling education yeah. system thing later. Let's talk about your background in the arts because that's always that's the thing that I one of the things that I think is most distinctive about your whole whole profile is that. You do focus on really fine visual art, including Brad Pitt, <laughs> Brad yeah. Pitt's face on, a, on a, I think that must be Napoleon probably, but let's talk about, let's talk about your background in the arts as well. Cause I don't, I don't know that I've heard you discuss it so much.
2: Right. I usually, I usually don't like talking about it too much, but you know, I've been involved in the arts since I was around five years old. Oh wow. Uh, I started my musical career as an opera singer a long, really? long like multiple lives ago. Yeah, I'm actually on like recordings with Pavarotti. I've performed with Pavarotti. Um, I've been around the world performing in some of the biggest venues on the planet. Um, oh, Wow. So, yeah, that's how I spent my childhood uh, in the arts world, performing operas, singing. Um, spent so much of my time doing that when I was a kid. <laughs> it's but amazing. it got me. Yeah, it was cool because I got to understand the stage, right? And. <laughs> yeah yeah it's very comfortable being on the stage
3: mm-hmm. it shows so,
2: right so because i had been doing it my whole life it was something you know i performed the national anthem at baseball games and you know hockey games how and old were you when i was doing those particular things i think I was like 10 what so yeah yeah all right so yeah so i started there and performed a lot when i was a child and became really comfortable with being creative. so I started playing an in, uh, started playing instruments when I was I play all the brass instruments, and I started playing instruments. <laughs> there are a few of those. yeah, I started playing the instruments when I was in high school and learned very quickly and went to university and uh, my degrees are in music education, so that's specifically what I'm involved in.
0: Got it. That's what you did. That's what you did in schools,
2: right? I was a I was a band director. So got it, right? And uh, I taught in Texas, which is like one of the most hyper competitive band places in the world. Uh, if you guys know like anything about Texas, it's like super competitive about like sports, football, band, like all of those things. And I started teaching there, and I, I loved it because I'm I'm a I'm a very competitive person as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a weakness or a strength, but I'm an extremely competitive person. It can be both. Yeah, it is. Uh so that's my musical background. I it's just something I've been involved in my whole life. I'm a gigantic art fan as well. Like I know way too much about classical music and mm-hmm. classical composers. I write my tweets while listening to classical music. Helps me bring an air of superiority into my mind. Well, how could it not, right? Whether whether whether, whether it's E-
0: well, whether it's whether it's like ego validating or anything like that, there is something to surrounding yourself with beauty during your creative process, whatever that means to you, right? Like, I think so many people who are writers, so many men and women who are writers, have their own writing room, and you fill that room with things that inspire you. You know, like you don't put up pictures of like People magazine and stuff like that. You fill it with whether yeah. it's whether there's like one painting on the wall or books everywhere, like you allow yourself to be surrounded by beauty to bring the beauty out from within you. So if you put on classical music, your favorite pieces, when you write tweets, like that will communicate, that'll come through.
2: I'm in total agreement. So I'll put on classical music while I'm, while I'm writing as well. Not long form. I I like to be alone in thoughts for that. But when I'm writing a tweet, you can definitely put classical music on. So that's, that's my whole musical background. And I, I think that it's helped me out on Twitter quite a bit because I'm very comfortable sharing my thoughts and ideas with the world. It's not something that I'm afraid of, uh, which I think holds a lot of fear, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a result from anxiety. Uh, it's something that you know, when I'm sharing and writing and my ideas, I, I, uh, it, it pains me to say, sometimes I'll write these tweets and they'll be kind of wholesome. It'll be like the ultimate flex is a loving family. You know something like that, and it get like eleven thousand likes or something like that. People will come in the comments and just be so upset and triggered by that kind of yeah. tweet. and I'm not I never get upset by any nobody 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 says anything that makes me upset when they tweet at me on Twitter or say they disagree with me um maybe because I've been on the stage my whole life that it's just like, well, I'm on stage on Twitter, and it's kind of fun. I'm tweeting my ideas if you don't like it and you know you can read something else but i think it's funny how everybody has been conditioned to share and like say you know everybody's been conditioned to f- feel like they need to correct other people or you know oh you don't have this opinion that's just like mine um i need to go out of my way to actually you or go out of my way to tell you why you're a bad person or wrong it's i find it fascinating one of the aspects of social media you know, when I was growing up, I'm an old—I I call myself a boomer. I'm in my early 40s, but I grew up in a very urban area. And I, you know, when I was growing up, people would end their day by walking the streets on street corners and having conversations with each other. Like that was the early Amazing. state of Twitter. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, can you believe this? Like I lived in another alternate world that existed. So <laughs> with communities, like, no way. Like people would. Can you believe this? This is gonna. So I grew up in Philadelphia. Okay. Like the city, not a suburb. And people would sit on their steps and have walk around the street, like, oh, walk, or, you know, and they would have conversations with people. They'd go to the little neighborhood store and they'd pick up their little groceries and they'd have conversations with the shopkeeper. Like it's like stuff you would see in Skyrim, right? Like, you know, when people play those games, (laughs) it's like they're walking the town. And like, oh, wow, this exists in a video. Now that was like life. And I grew up <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like that. And, and it was a really beautiful world because people could, people would talk, people would get their, hey, I had this, you know, did you see the baseball game yesterday, buddy? Oh, yeah. You want to go together? We'll take the subway over, you know, or, you know, people were in, more innocent. Okay. Yeah. And, to me, and I try to, and, uh, I try to bring that out in my tweets. I think it's okay, and I think like people, and there's so much of the, like red pill alpha culture, and uh, I, I dislike them for many different reasons. Why regular people dislike, them. I have different, way different. Reasons. But the, but a lot of the reasons why go I just, for it. Okay, so the reason why I dislike them is because they're just a reaction to the blue pill, instead yep. of acting their own thing. So. And and what I, and I don't live like, I don't live life as a reaction. Okay. So, yeah, it's like anxiety from the blue pill caused them to be red pill. So, when I was growing up, people would just have these conversations out on the street. They would know each other better. People knew their neighbors more. Right. And now look at the society has brought us to like people live in big houses. They don't even know their neighbor's name. They have a problem with their neighbor. They call the HOA. Like they can't even go across the street and talk to them, you know, or they is, it's, it's a very distrustful society and mm-hmm. it didn't accidentally happen like that. Okay. That was no, that not at was, all. Not at all. Not at all. If you want to think about how my childhood was like, have you ever seen the movie Rocky, right? Where Rocky's mm-hmm. like walking the streets of Philly and like he sees people hanging out or he sees that that's that's basically that is exactly what life was like in major urban areas, in the late seventies all the way maybe until the early nineties I would say, yeah. Um, as and as the internet came on stage, pe- people began to instead of going outside to talk about them and get to know people and talk to them face to face, they decided to move like those communities and street corners online.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they they moved them. Well, first they demolished them, right? First they moved everyone into their houses and then they moved everything online to, to surveil it. You, know, you mentioned earlier, I was just thinking I mean, about this, yeah. anxiety is the weapon. And there's a documentary series, and I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, called Century of the Self.
2: And oh, yeah. Well, uh, my man, can I tell you, that's my favorite documentary. That's, is it really? <laughs> yeah. When I was coming up with like a genesis for what I should write about, it was actually the century of the self which i've watched multiple times as a as like you know that's why one of that's why my handle's creation 247 right it's because oh okay yeah yeah so it's because of that documentary that's interesting you mentioned that
0: yeah well i mean cuz we were talking you were talking about uh, anxiety is is the weapon and it's so much easier to program people for anxiety if they're isolated if if everything is about self-fulfillment and and all of this separated from community. Like when you atomize the individual from from his or her community, they're much easier, much easier to manipulate versus on the street corner, you know, you t- you think about, you know, some some big tragedy happens in the world or something like that. And then if all the guys can get together on the street corner or the barbershop or the pub or whatever and, and talk it over, it's like, yeah, no, I think this is bullshit. But if everyone's if all the men are in their are in their um in their houses, separated from each other and they're all being surveilled online or whatever it's a lot easier to manipulate men and make them more anxious versus if they're in each other's physical presence and we've had that taken from us like most people can't even imagine what it's like growing up in an actual an actual neighborhood like you see that in movies like you said you see it in Rocky or you can go further back and you see it in like The Godfather and oh yeah. it's just used the way of life like men and women used to just be social in public together and now we're just in our houses and we close the garage door and, and we're, we're isolated from each other and from the world, and then we can be programmed and manipulated just that well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement. I'm 100 percent agreement with you, man. And it's all by design. That's exactly what, what it is. It's all by design.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah. for.: sure.
2: Well, actually
0: I wanted, I wanted to talk about your time, because this is actually making a lot of sense, because I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out like a guy as, as articulate and as perceptive and thoughtful as you. I was, I was trying to picture you being a, a school teacher. And I just couldn't, I couldn't picture you teaching like, maybe I could picture you teaching math or English or something like that. But it makes a lot of sense that you were, that you were a band instructor. Because that's the, sort of, that's the sort of environment where you get the chance to actually mentor boys and girls towards the development of a skill, rather than just the communication of like, of bare of bare information, like, that, that, none, we're not going. Go ahead.
2: That makes sense because the difference between like being a football coach or a band director is that you see the same kids year and year out. Okay, oh, you're not okay. that. That is that is. So I know what you're talking about. It's not like you go to a math class. You have this teacher in tenth grade, and then then uh, you know when you're a junior or a senior, you have this other teacher, right? It's that you're going to have the same person year in and year out. Not to mention. Those, the difference between, and I actually think extracurricular activities are the the only good thing that public schools have, really, (laughs) Mm -hmm. are are like band, sports, football, you know, whatever you want to, whatever your extracurriculars are, they're the reasons why the kids are coming to school because they're learning the real values about what the world brings to them, right? You're not going to learn it inside learning about the, the, the structure of a cell. I mean, I think that stuff is fine, but that doesn't wake kids up in the morning. Like kids wake up in the morning to be like, man, I want to go there and just play this awesome song today and just do this thing. It could be choir, it could be band, it could be uh, football, like kids get woke and they're just like, man, I can't wait for the big game today. So that's, that's people's, that tells you a lot about what people are motivated by. And, you know. Our school system is just, is, is just not – I think part of the reason why the school system is so bad, it doesn't understand what its purpose is, or it's being told by somebody else what to do. But right. we, need a lot, we need a lot more of that socialization. Society is, needs a lot more of that. It's going to relieve is, a lot of the anxiety that's out there.
0: When you, you said your classroom was taken from – you were still teaching when COVID happened, right? Did, did I hear that correctly?
2: Yeah, well, you have to understand something. Right. I taught band and let's say COVID hit what? Like around when did it hit my side? It was March, March of 2020. So yeah. around then, and that was right when my son was born as well. It was a lot going on at that time. Yeah. <laughs> my, first, my son was born. Uh, COVID hit a month later and I was like, what is going on? So I was, we were home with our son and we never went back to school. It was so mm. bizarre. Now, I get, uh, I'm not going to lie, deep inside, I was like, oh, this is all right. Like, I'm <laughs>
3: like, yeah.
2: Yeah. But every time I took, ter- because everybody was watching the news at that point, right? There was like, well, what's going on? And, and, you know, at first you're like, okay, this makes sense. Like, there's this really bad, I mean, let's be real. You, you, the first time you're presented with this information, you're like, oh, this sounds really serious, you know? Um, and then it's like, okay. And around April or May, we were told we're never going back or we're not going back not never we're not going back for the rest of the year and it kind of hit me i was like wow this is really bizarre like what if we don't go back the next year are we just going to stay shut down this is, you're starting to really think about these things mm-hmm. and you turn on the news and it's just the news at that time period was far even more it's hard to believe it is it was even more negative than it was now because it was weaponized right it was being weaponized to You know, tell people what to believe, not report, which I guess you can say it does that now too, but it was, (laughs) it was, it was persuading with the most, you know, they were showing footage that has been shown to be fake at the time or other stuff out there. And, you know, it it could be, it can get you down, right? Someone's like, what am I going to do? So I hit like a really interesting all at the same time, I became a, a millionaire. My son was born and COVID took away my classroom all at the same time. (laughs) Wow. And I hit like a financial net worth of like seven figures and I felt nothing. Like it was like the most bizarre feeling because that was my purpose, right? (laughs) Yeah. I was, it was like I had this all in my mind. It was like balloons are going to, they're going to shoot fireworks off. balloons (laughs) i'm gonna see a seven figure in my net worth tracker and like it's gonna be the greatest and i sat there and i was like i want more like what what in what is what what so i i rewrote my life purpose that day and then the next day i started my twitter account
0: oh wow what did you realize what did you okay that's okay that's really cool for a lot of different reasons like what an incredible what an incredible kind of shift and then what did you rewrite your life purpose to?
2: That I was going to start pursuing the creative process. It was a lot defined by uh century of self where, you know, trillions. And if you don't know what that is and you're listening, you know, it's, it's a documentary about how behavior psychologists were taken out of places like John Hopkins and, you know, institutions. And they were turned into the adver- Madison Avenue advertising agencies yeah. um, like Bernays and Watson, all of those brilliant guys and it talks about how you've been conditioned to uh, you know trillions and trillions of brilliant people are all conditioning you through advertising and manipulation from news and on TV to make you think a certain way so i had been looking at that in covid and was realizing like the gravity of this situation <laughs> yeah so taking a look at this and I'm being like there needs to be a cultural shift and if I don't decide to do something about it, nobody will. So that's when I started my Twitter account.
0: So it was actually with the intention of making this larger impact and sort of pushing back against this weaponized world that you saw.
2: Yes, absolutely. I didn't do this to make money. It was kind of like a religious reason.
0: Whoa, okay. Not say kind more of, about not that, kind of, that.
2: Not kind of a really It was a religious reason.
0: Please, please say more about that because that's similar reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. This, it seems like 2020 was a big shift year. For a what? lot of men that I know currently that there were religious reasons behind them doing what they're doing. Maybe they maybe it's only in hindsight looking back that they are able to no, articulate religious
2: It was not hindsight. This was something I was like, I need to do this. Like if oh, I don't wow. do this, I am going to be I, I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. And if if I didn't sit down and do this, it was like, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna go into like the different ways or or I don't want to go like into what happened. But I'm just going to tell you like God basically told me like you have to live life this way. Wow. And that was it. I know that sounds nuts. I know that No, it doesn't
0: like, sound nuts at all.
2: Oh, that's crazy, but like I mean I'm serious. Like I was told like this is what you need to do. And uh, I was like okay, that's it. I'm going to do it.
0: That doesn't sound nuts to me at all. In fact, that sounds that sounds exactly appropriate and that's the sort of thing that happens to men who live their life with purpose and intention. Because, you know, we started out the conversation talking about, you know, you, you defined a life purpose. You woke up one day and you said, fuck it, you know, this is, I'm not doing this anymore. And you decided the direction of your life and you headed in that direction. The only way that a man can be successful in his life purpose is with communication with some higher form of intelligence than his own. You have to become sensitive to it. Okay. Because, so because
2: I agree go. with you. I agree with you on this. You have to believe in God to be able to find your life purpose. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't, and one of the things that concerns me, especially like red pill alpha culture, you see <laughs> these guys, and they want to pretend they're trying to attain God status, right? Yep. Which is one of the reasons why now I've noticed, like, and I'm going to call people out, like Scott Adams. Do right? it. Okay. <laughs> so, good. Good. In. Right. <laughs> So I always knew that he was gonna. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like, this is a man that doesn't really believe in God, and well, or he believes in sim. I don't want to speak for him. I don't want to speak for him. It's not fair. I take it back. But he is a proponent of the simulation theory. Okay, which is yeah. psyop. Which is a psyop, dude. Okay. Totally. And it's a it's a way to get in the way of like who the real God is. So the the simulation theory is a fucking brilliant psyop, by the way. And he yes, like, is it's so brilliant, dude. It's like, and it ties into the Matrix, which was basically a early precursor to that psyop, right? So oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, well, the Matrix is a psyop too, obviously, right? And mm-hmm. so you start thinking; it primes you to start thinking about like, oh, maybe I live in a simulation that was. Um. So, Adams is doing all of these things, and look at how his life has panned out, right? So, not well. Right, so uh, the answer is in the Bible, right? It's you. You look at his spiritual. Look at the fruit that was bared to him. Okay, look at look at what was bared to him. Right, so he's he's a he's not someone that I don't think that Scott Adams right now is something that you're going to look at and be like, man, I want to become that guy. Like I, I wouldn't trade places with him, and he has more money than me temporarily. And well, I'm not even pursuing it like to his extent. Congratulations him right. for that, by the way, but like from a spiritual standpoint, he's somebody who's extremely broken, right? He's pursuing yeah. all of these like incredibly vain interests, like a twenty year old something like come on, seriously, yeah like yeah. I mean, what's cringier than like the old guy pursuing like the young girl at the club right that's Scott adams and um you can tell like you know it, it, what's he what's he a proponent of the simulation theory, right yeah. Because I guess one of his end goals is to e- extend his life to infinite. You know, he's always like talking about, Ugh. oh, we're going to like upload my consciousness into like all this like dumbass shit. Why that <laughs> stupid wow. is like, why, why? First of all, one of the most exciting parts about life is its unpredictability and that you do die, right? Yes. So yes. all of these people that are like, all of these people who are like oh i want to extend my consciousness for infinity and upload my digitize my consciousness into this chip it's the dumbest idea because you wh- what makes what wakes you up in the morning is like the sense of urgency that life naturally gives you right yeah. and that's the beauty of life and they fail to see it which is one of the reasons why they're so you know so spiritually dead inside. That's the only way I would describe Scott Adams, spiritually dead. I think he's funny. I think he has written some good comic strips. I think he's a successful person. But this whole idea of you uploading your consciousness into a chip or the simulation theory, which is a prime to get you to accept that you're going to digitize your consciousness and live forever, um, it's, it's a spiritually dead uh, idea because it doesn't it doesn't who you haven't thought about who you are as a person and what makes life beautiful. One of the most beautiful parts about life is that you're no longer going to exist, so you need to make every single day count. Yep, I
0: think a lot of I see a lot of guys that that have similar beliefs, but not as not as well articulated. Like they don't think about things in terms of like simulation theory, like I'm going to live forever, but they live in such a way where it's like if I can just get. Enough stuff. I will be completely sovereign over everything, and I can avoid the knowledge of my own death. Right. And I think I think the simulation theory is like is a is this way of speculating. Like I'm just I'm never gonna die. I don't have to worry about it. I'm gonna worry about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna live forever. And so uh, I'm just gonna walk around like I'm king of the universe um, because I'm gonna live forever. And it's like and that's that you can be really successful with that with that set of beliefs, like materially successful but eventually life might have something to say about that but uh, but that sounds to me like anyone who believes in the simulation theory as in that they're going to be the ones that gets their comp- consciousness uploaded into the matrix like you're just avoiding something that you know is is really true because it scares you that's that's yeah. what i have to say to that
2: right they're they're afraid right yeah. they're just afraid yeah and, of yeah
0: and they should be like death is death is a scary idea like let's not let's not pretend that it isn't but there are ways to live your life so that you don't fear death. And that primarily begins with living a moral, high-integrity life so you don't feel like at the end of it like you sacrifice some part of yourself for material success. It's like, no, I, I treated people honestly. I, I spoke honestly. I never cheated anybody. Like, I, I can walk away from all this knowing that, hey, you know, maybe I didn't hit the high score. You know, I didn't become a billionaire. I didn't conquer, you know, Mars or whatever. Nothing about Elon Musk. But, you know, you know that okay, I feel good about the way that I played that I played that game versus like, no, I have to win at all costs, which I think is where a lot of people live.
2: Right, I think a lot of people, I, I think a lot of those guys do live like that. And yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> but what winds up happening to them is they wind up getting nothing of what they really want. They wind up getting a bunch of stuff, so what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying this is sour grapes. I have a lot of stuff. I'm not poor, okay? I'm financially well off, all right? So I'm looking at some of these guys and I go, wow, is that all you think there is to life? Just accumulating stuff? Like I could go out and buy an exotic car Lambo right now if I wanted to. I could walk into a dealership if they had one in the floor because there's nothing on the floors right now. But if I walked into, I could walk into a Lambo dealership and buy one right now, cash, Mm -hmm. right? But the thing is, is that, I know it's nice, but I, I I thought about it. It's like, do I really want to do that, or do I want to, I, or do I want to position myself to build a better future and better life for my son and for a better world? I know that that sounds. Some people might look at that and go, "Oh man, you only have so much time on this world. You need to use it being as hedonistic as possible." Well, honestly, truth be told, that's not in line with what my purpose is. That's not going to help me. That's not going to give me that spiritual dopamine hit. Yeah. You know, um, if, if it, if that was a, sp- if that worked for people, you know, all these lot of people who would win lotteries would feel so good about life.
3: Mm-hmm. But,
2: you know, there's been studies on this as well. People who win the lottery, they, <laughs> they wind up getting like an emotional high at the beginning. But, you know. Two or three years down the road, many of them go bankrupt, yeah. and they feel from a level of happiness, they're at the same point they were before they even started. The money didn't really do anything for them. Right. So yeah, money, the way that I see it, it has a limited ROI. Money is a tool, okay? So you're either going to use it to help fulfill your dreams, or you can use it to buy garbage. And if you're using it to buy garbage, you're, you're basically, you're, you're, you're focusing on the short dopamine hits instead of the long ones.
0: Mm -hmm. And you started out, we started out this sort of thread of conversation talking about how you started, uh, the art of purpose, Twitter account, not to, not necessarily to make money, but to make a, we might say a spiritual impact, a religious, it was a, it was a religious mission, religiously fueled, spiritually fueled mission. And it, yeah, you know, the, from, the, from the, day
2: one, from day one, and I actually thought of that term in my mind like this is going to be have a religious impact on me. That yeah, was- and, and, and
0: that's the same reason why I started the Renaissance of Men because I'd always really wanted to be a psychotherapist. I really and I really wanted to work with men. I've lived an incredible life and I've seen and done a lot of things. And and because you know I, I went through my own transformation, I wanted to come back and share that. And then um, then COVID hit, and I was like, why would I spend why would I spend three years in school and two years doing supervisory training to set up an in-person office where people have to like come in and actually sit in the office? Why? Why don't I just start sharing some of these some of these gifts and experiences online right now to make a difference in this world that needs it? You know, and success when you follow your purpose when there is a spiritual purpose, you will get the means necessary to fulfill your purpose. Don't worry about them. Don't make the don't make the means the financial means the goal either like the goal is the impact the goal is the change lives you know the goal is to multiply the amount of life on earth don't worry about the the financial aspect but i think some men never really get there they get so fixated on like you said the stuff they get fixated on the lambo they get fixated on the on the whatever the material things that they're attached to are and they miss the entire purpose of actually you know it sounds really trite to say but like changing the world there must be a better way to phrase that same idea it's like i want to change the world it's like well Maybe there's a better way to express that same notion of, I want to have a positive impact on society and make, and make a society that cultivates life. is probably closer to what most, most people who are on a spiritual purpose kind of pursue. But we don't get to hear it phrased in that way because I don't think enough men are, are as brave as you are to say like, no, this was a religious mission. I think men are afraid to say that when I think more men need to say stuff like that.
2: Right, If, if, if it's true. Yeah. If it's
0: true, yes. If yes, it's true, don't, don't yeah. fake. Don't fake that. You'll get in trouble.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm. i Yeah. So, if you focus on providing value into the world, you're going to wind up making money. Okay. Yeah. So you know, and from a financial standpoint, I make far more money online than I do as a band director. Like it's mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. And I, I started it with the i with the idea. Yes, this is going to be you know religious. We're going to be focusing on sharing beautiful things and ideas. Um, but I agree with you. Men need to, I don't, I don't, this is, this is part of programming too. It's like, uh, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. I really feel like this, our society is in desperate need of a religious movement. And a Desperate need, desperate need. Um, and where that's going to come from, I don't know. Maybe I'll be able to play a role in that. Somehow, I need to get my act together. (laughs) Think on this baby (laughs) more. Um, But our society is in desperate need of a religious movement. Desperate need. A Uh, a positive one. Oh, absolutely, a Yeah, it's
0: the because we live in a religious. We live in a religious society right now. Like what the religion is, social justice, right? That's the religion. That's I was about to say. We
2: we live in a religious. Yeah, I would. I would say it's. I would say it's consumerism. That uh, mm-hmm. too. Okay, but it may it may not be just one thing. Is they're just replacements for religion, right? I mean, I'm sure we can agree with that. Every almost like okay, almost all the isms that are out there, like wokeism, mm-hmm. uh, uh, environmentalism, liberalism, conservatism, they're really just replacement religions. Um, yes, yeah, as they're they're mental buckets that exist to get you to think a certain way. And, from, and and to stop you from thinking about some of the deeper things in this world.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think we were set up. I think we had a religious society prior, you know, prior to World War II. I think World War II was a giant blow for a lot of reasons to people's religion because of all the devastation. And then the 60s came along and like, look, the world is shit. What does religion have to say about any of this? We need to replace it with something else. And then maybe the 50s set up materialism. And then the end of materialism was reached somewhere in the 2010s, and we switched to like wokeism, right? So we've so we've been moving through all these different phases of religion that are taking us away from true religion. That are taking us away from the way the world actually works, and we have it enforced. This is the century of the self, right? We get atomized, yeah. split off from each other, and then propagandized for several generations that we don't even know what true religion is anymore. And it's even uncool to uncool to talk about like, whoa, bro, like. Why why are you up on me with this religious stuff? I don't want to hear that. Like, well, you want to watch Avengers Endgame is what you want, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that you you need that, right? Nothing wrong with Endgame, like you know. But it's not it's not to pick on that specifically. But you know, people can eat junk food, or they can they can eat real sustenance. They can eat steak and and stuff like that. But most people they fear eating steak. They'd rather have the the irresponsibility of junk food.
2: Yeah, there's nothing. I, again, there there's nothing wrong with sitting down and listening to pop music or you know, disposable uh, consumeristic art forms of art, you know, but it's kind of like eating McDonald's every single day. Really. That's the way that I think of it. Uh, So yeah, I I agree with you. Most guys need to think about deeper things and uh, I'm in total agreement with you century self. If you haven't watched that, by the way, make sure you do watch that.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So as you've gone into this, this process of, of working on the art of purpose of, of creation 24 seven, how would, would you, have you, has you, have you seen your religious spiritual values evolve? Because, you know, it's, it, it, it might seem contrad, contradictory to some people. It's like I set out on this religious mission and now I can go buy a Lambo, right? Which now would take a lot of men off the path itself, right? They would lose, they would lose the plot of that. Yeah. But if we, have you seen your own spiritual values evolve as you've had this material success?
2: Yeah, I, I've doubled and tripled down in my beliefs.
0: Oh wow! Okay, I'd love to hear more about that.
2: <laughs> this is great, by the way. Well, you know, the more I learn about social media, the more I and media, how media works. I'm like, so if you don't know who I am, I'm like an expert in how social media works. Like, I created a course, great twenty four seven that teaches people how it works, how the Twitter algo works, how all of this works, so that you can get your message out there into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I understand how social media works. The more and more I see what is on social media and who is popular in modern society, um, to me, it's pretty obvious that uh, 95 99% of them are basically put in their positions because they think a certain way or they've been programmed and they act a certain way. And, and this is from somebody who I study social media all day long, okay? The, the accounts that are super popular, everything is astroturfed, okay? I'm just going to hate. I'm going to pretty some of the now I'm talking like in the big, big names. Okay. I'm talking the big, big names like people, the the ones that people, regular people, water cooler talk about, whatever. Pretty much all the people you see on TV convince it's all astroturf. It's all fake. They're put in there for certain reasons or for certain beliefs. And, um, you know, I think if you take a look at and if you understand how media and social media, exists and in this current form you understand that evil exists right yep. yeah and from there you're going to well if evil exists <laughs> you mm-hmm. know you're going to come to some natural conclusions on your own yeah well
0: i mean that's the whole thing right like uh kevin spacey and um in the usual suspects you know the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world it doesn't exist and I remember I loved that movie. I I've, I've loved that movie for a long time and it's only in the past couple of years that I've really understood how powerful that line is because most people don't want to admit that objective metaphysical evil exists. They they just can't they just can't oh it's a it's a coincidence or everyone's just yes. trying the best that they can like it's you know it's like well, no <laughs> there are people doing truly wicked things and they know they're wicked and they do them because they're wicked and a lot of people they just can't get there they just yeah. they, they, it's it's a lot i mean understandably right
2: well when you have a com- when i have a conversation with a regular person it's just like and i know <laughs> how social media i know how social media works like i <laughs> like yesterday i helped write a tweet that made somebody over 10 grand and has like 50,000 likes on it okay like i know wow. i know how to write a tweet that's going to get seen okay now, no kidding Yeah, for real. But I want to go, I want to change this back to what regular people are seeing on the TV and what they think is popular on social media or on the, like, I'm going to put you something like this. You realize, like, almost all of the same pop songs are written by the two same guys. Yeah, Dr. Luke and someone else, right? Yeah, it's like, t- I don't even know. I, I don't know. But like all of those like pop tunes that you listen to, they're all written by the same exact people. The people who are on the stage are just merely performers. And remember, take in mind, I've been involved in the art since I was five, okay? I yeah. know how it works, okay? The people who you're seeing, on listening to on the radio, aren't there because of their talent. Okay. I don't understand how anybody can really oh, I really like that new Taylor Swift song. Taylor Swift doesn't write any of her songs, dummy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me, dude? Uh, so, so the thing is, would you okay, my, one of my biggest tips is when you're talking to somebody and you're having this conversation with them, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. If you if you if you say something like that and they totally give you the what you just said. Oh man, that's just a coincidence or like, oh, it's not every, listen, just understand not every single person is ready to wake up. Okay. Not every single person is ready to, and I'm not talking red pill. Okay. Not everyone's, no one, not everybody is ready to wake up and that's okay. You have to be okay Mm -hmm. with that. Not everybody is on the, is that it's all about, that's why it's more about being on the journey as opposed to where you're at on it. Okay. Right. And I could easily look at somebody and go, my God, that's... And I just said they were dumb. I apologize for that. They were dumb for liking Taylor Swift or something. Okay, whatever. They're on just a different stage of that spiritual journey. And that's the way that you got to look at it. Um, So if you say something to somebody and you're just like, hey, um, or somebody will be like, yeah, Epstein, man, what a... Like I had coworkers just being like, oh, man, isn't that crazy? Like just Epstein got up one day and died. Like, wow. (laughs) Wow.
0: Like, you know, he slipped like,
2: and fell, bro. <laughs> and then I was like, guys, do you really think that that was, you know, that's a coincidence? And they're like, yeah, why? Like, like, for real? Like, what? Why, you know, why? Mm. You know, or like people think the Chris Rock and the Will Smith thing is real. Like, I, come on. But, like seriously, Like I understand how getting. Oh, the slap, you, the Oscar yeah. slap or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I, look, I, I'm on social media. I understand. You, the number one thing that you need to do is be able to capture somebody's attention. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the that's the idea. Okay. You have to be able to capture somebody's attention. So when everybody's talking about it, is they've got your attention. And now the Oscars are relevant again. And then maybe hopefully they'll be able to recover with their dwindling ratings. But even for you to suggest that that was fake, I had I, I mentioned that to some people, and they were like, "Well, wh- why do you think that?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, the key is to a get your attention, and this by Z is like, come on, what had." No, that's not right, dude. That's just, Will got mad one day. He just got up about his chair and was like, yo, I'm going to slap his, my buddy, you know, in the face, just like that, dude, you know, totally normal. And, um, and they're he not didn't act- even
0: flinched, by the way. Like Chris Rock didn't even flinch. Like he leaned into it, hands behind his back. Like it's people, these mm-hmm. are actors,
2: yeah. man. These are actors. Yeah. Like yeah. minor detail, <laughs> right? These are professional actors, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so just understand, not everybody's ready to wake up. And that's okay. That's fine. You 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 aren't going to, you know, and that's what a dangerous when you start like one of these, like, oh, I'm starting this religious thing and I'm gonna change. It's okay if you don't make this big shift overnight. Right. That's not how it happens. That's not how it happens. You have to, you have to do other things to start to get people to question the reality. I think that's what your goal should be, right? So if you're talking to one of these guys that's having a hard time confronting reality, actually let them start the talking. And then what you should do is turn the conversation back on them. and Just ask them like, hey, that's that's really super interesting. How did you arrive at that conclusion? Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're trying to like pinpoint where they came up for that answer. And usually they're not gonna be able to tell you, right? Right. They're just, because they saw it on TV. They're just parroting what they have seen. So, you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh man, I tried to get these people to think a different way. Don't worry about that. Think about how long it took for you to be able to know what you know. You can't expect somebody to just instantly flip and understand all of the ideas and see the world exactly that you have. That's just not how the mind works. Right. One of my
0: friends, one of my oldest friends, um, his, name is, his name is Dan. Shout out to Dan. You know, we've known each other for about 10 years. and. Um, I I lived overseas and I moved back to the states and you know during the time we've known each other my I, it's not really fair to say my politics have changed it's more my spiritual view on reality has changed and as a consequence of that as my cha- my politics changed and they changed away from where he was at at the time and during uh, during COVID during summer of 2020 um, you know we 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 just kept getting into conflict over um, over politics and I eventually said look I want to stay I want to stay friends with you you know, I love you. I care about you. Let's just make an agreement that, um, that we're just, we could talk about anything except for politics, right? Cause we're not going to come to agreement on that, you know, on these issues. Um, because he had his view and I had my view and no problem. And then he asked, and then he, asked, and then he asked me one day, he said, Will, do you miss living in New Zealand? And I said, well, in order for me to answer that question, I need to, you know, cross this barrier that we've established. Like, I don't want to get a discussion about it, but just for me to answer it, honestly, you have to talk about politics. I said, can I, have your permission to cross this barrier without wanting to start a discussion about it. He said, sure. And so I gave an honest answer about why I didn't. Want, I was happy that I was no longer living in New Zealand. And then that sort of started his mind moving in the direction closer to um, where I was at. And that actually led to this enormous shift um, that, that I got to watch unfold in him as he started questioning a lot of ideas that he had held dear, that he had that a lot of beliefs that he had. And I got to watch him go through that kind of like red pill kind of process. I got to, which I had done, um, which I had done uh, as well, like in 2013, and go through the whole process of like I got to tell everybody about this, and then other, everyone else being like you're crazy, like the whole big disillusionment process. But and 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 now we you know we send memes back and forth and laugh all day, and 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 the alignment is great, and to have to have one fr- one to get have have one of my friends from that stage of my life come with me has been a real blessing, and it's brought us closer but it was a real education to me that you know the the awakening process like it doesn't work like neo in the matrix where like no. he wakes up and he's in he's in the lab and then it's like hey, now i'm going to show you everything and you're going to change it's like no you have to slowly unwind all these beliefs that you've built your life around over the course of months years in real time around people that are trying to get you back into consensus reality it's not it's not an overnight like you, you take the red pill and then you wake up, you know, in, 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 in the upside down or whatever. It doesn't work like that. You really have to change your entire being from the inside out as a person and be well, patient well, with somebody. About,
2: think about the movie, right? It, the dichotomy. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that there's, there's a false idea that there's two choices, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you're presented with the blue pill of being like the matrix itself, right? And then you have the red pill, which is getting out of the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is is like that's the overnight. There's no pill that's going to do that, right? The the only people that win are the people that stop caring and giving attention to it. Okay? So the only game that really exists is the one you decide that you don't play. Right? So so what you do is you need to almost completely remove yourself from it. This is why mm-hmm. I talk about reacting and getting people's attention. All it is is just, you know, the red pill is just one gigantic reaction to the blue it's one it's just one giant reaction it's a knee-jerk reaction it's something that you are you know both sides of the coin are controlled Mm -hmm. and so the only game that you you what you win is the one is the game you decide to create yourself is the one that you make Mm -hmm. So 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 when you start all of a sudden just being like hey all right, I'm not going to do, I'm not doing either side. I'm, I I know that they're both false. I'm going to be doing my thing, you know, doing, fulfilling my purpose as opposed to what somebody else wants me to do or some pill or some idea. I'm going to be thinking about what I want from life and I'm going to pursuing those goals. I'm playing my own game. That's the power of, of
0: choosing a purpose is that you not only choose the direction you're going to go in, the goals you want to achieve, you. You choose the way that you want to live. You choose the rules of the game that you want to play by. And you get to make those choices. And then when you make those choices in integrity, consistently make those choices in integrity, my experience is that I discovered that those rules that I'm choosing, they're already in existence. And there's this really, there's this, there's this really good book that those rules are actually, they're written down in. It's kind of amazing how that works out.
2: Yeah, it's like they knew what was going to happen before it even happened. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of incredible, right? Yeah, it is. It actually, actually kind of is incredible. But um, yeah. Yeah. Your your friend, it's great that your friend went along with you on that journey. I think it's great. Yeah. So, you know, if you have those friends, you know, you don't have to get frustrated. You don't have to think like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person wants to watch Avengers Endgame 12 times in a row. You know, that's so <laughs> maybe that's where they are. But maybe you can ask them other things, ask them what they're doing in life, ask them how they come to their conclusions. The goal is to make them more aware of their surroundings.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, interesting! And and to sort of highlight what to highlight things that they might have missed, or highlight you know the 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 things they haven't really thought through, to get them to ask questions, something like that.
2: Yeah, questions are really the antidote, right? So mm-hmm. you just, you get start, you, you get people to start thinking about why they think certain things. So if you've got someone and they're like talking to you about how much they, oh my gosh, I'm so happy they got this, you know, they found this stuff on whatever, what are they talking about today? The Donald Trump got FBI rated. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you can go, now. Here, here's how you could play it. I guess you could start going, well, wh- why is that important? Well, Whoa, whoa, whoa. So what does this have to do with, with my life or your life? This is you can start at, or like where did you learn that from, right? And then uh, mm-hmm. you can start to go you know if you really wanted to throw a, a, a like a, a silver bullet at them, why don't you tell them to Google the FBI Finder's Vault, right? So <laughs> what you could do is you know <laughs> while the FBI yeah. doesn't really have much credibility to me, like why don't you just Google the Finder's FBI Vault? So <clears throat> and then you could talk about how the FBI plants overlooks evidence constantly right but that's what people are talking about these days, right so you can just ask questions and or establish credibility by making them look at something that is uncomfortable to them
0: yeah sort of like using cognitive dissonance as this kind of as this kind of weapon right not not really as a weapon more like a dialectical dial you know like a a a dialectical weapon it's like well why do you why do you think that? Well, have you thought about this? Like, how does it? How does you feel when you try and square these two pieces of information that you think should should go together? But a lot of people will do anything they can to avoid being put in that. Like, if you engage in the media universe, TV, news, you know, Netflix, whatever, it's this very comfortable kind of kind of all inclusive world where everything you could possibly need to know or think is contained within it and you don't need to worry about any of that outside stuff. All that outside stuff is bad and only bad people look at that stuff. And so it's really <laughs> difficult. It's really difficult to crack that, right? And like, look, I love Alex Jones, right? Like and he don't. has a lot of great, well, I mean, like in yeah. the sense of like, you know, he says, he says a lot of things that have turned out to be true. But like, I, I kind of feel like if he's not a psyop himself, he's used as one to caricature anybody who asks questions about the dominant reality. No, no,
2: no. So that's part of the scam with somebody like Alex Jones. Yeah, exactly. So, like what you do is you throw. So he's actually using the established credibility technique, but he's not using it as a way to deprogram people. He's using it to program people. So the difference between mine and his is he's what he'll do is he'll start saying outlandish things and, and, op, and absurd things. And then what he'll do is he'll occasionally throw in something that is true. So that you'll start nodding your head in agreement with him. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's like oh, a crazy thing, crazy thing, crazy thing, and then oh, you know, then a truthful thing, and then you're like oh, well, you know, that one thing he said was true. Maybe I'll maybe his other things will start to be true as well, and then you start to see things his way, and then you think he's like some kind of prophet, but he's a complete psyop. I is it's it, it, that's another you know I don't know. Maybe, maybe people aren't ready to be woken by that one, but do it. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> Alex Jones is a psyop. Like, how do you, how does anybody not see this? Like, it's so obvious. Right. He's a cartoon character, right? And, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's, what's so, that's what's so interesting about it. Um, guys like Jones are put on the stage and they're like the fall guys. It's like, hey, go out there and take an L for everybody. You know, it's like think about the Washington Generals, right? And the Harlem Globetrotters. Like people really <laughs> <laughs> it's like Alan Jones plays the part of the the Washington Generals. They're supposed to get stomped on every single day.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: And it's and it's and, and, this, and the and so you're like, well, what's the point of that? The point of that is so that you can see that you're about to get stomped on. Okay. So Alex James is kind of like an avatar. And it's the same with the Trump raids, right? So the point of the Trump raid, to me at least, okay, there could be many reasons. Is so that yeah. this is priming you to be open to FBI coming after regular people. So it's just the next step, right? Like, so yeah, that would be my, this is a guess, okay? So it's kind of like a priming technique, which if you believe Trump is real, then I'm sorry. I used to think it, okay, I used to think Alex Jones and Trump were like red pill, awesome people. But I, the more I learn about how social media works, the more obvious it becomes is that it's they're completely staged, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. oh okay, now they're you know, they're they're coming at I think there's a meme, right? The reason why they're coming after me is because I'm getting in the way of them coming after you. Well, in a way that's cuz that's who they are, right? It's this is all priming. It's like, well, we just went after this guy, we just crossed a boundary here. Okay? Mm-hmm. Where's the next, right? So they're slowly moving the needle a certain way. You ever notice some of these guys tell you that gaslighting doesn't exist and the slippery slope doesn't exist? Like that's another <coughs> That's another Scott Adams. By the way, Scott Adams is a hypnotist, right? Duh. Yeah. Right? Obviously he's, if you understand how hypnosis works, he's priming you ahead of time so that he can slip slope on you. Okay. So, oh yeah. You know, hypnosis, you know, gaslighting doesn't exist while I gaslight. Right. Um, so guys like Jones and all of these guys, this is, I don't I don't the, how do you get out of this? Just stop paying attention to them. I feel dirty. Yeah. You notice I never tweet about them. Like I, I don't tweet about them, I don't write about them because they don't really Yeah, listen. no. They don't deserve my attention. Um so I think yesterday I tweeted the biggest red pill is realizing that no politician actually cares about you. And right. there you go, right there. They're they are there to line their pockets. I find, I guess people don't want to willingly upset that. If people wanted to do something about it, they would have already done it.
0: Men, look at the world today. You know something isn't right. You know many things aren't right. And if you're smart, you also know that you have something to do with it. What's wrong isn't your fault, but I bet you know you could do something to change it. In fact, I bet there's something you could do right now. Not just a task undone, though there are plenty of those. I mean a journey untaken, a land undiscovered, a shield gathering dust, a sword rusting, a map rolled up somewhere inside you, and a call unheeded. If this describes you, I understand. It once described me. I was 50 pounds overweight, stuck in a dead-end relationship, Surrounded by men afraid of their women, and waiting for my hopes to come to me. I would have waited forever. Except for one thing. I wanted to live, not simply be alive. I wasn't content to float down the river of life with everyone around me. I wanted to paddle towards the shore, and follow my path towards adventure, and along the way make a difference in this beautiful and broken world. So one day, that's what I did. And I started in the company of men. I'm beginning a new online men's group called the Forum of five to eight men who are looking to live like I once was. And I have spaces opening in my men's renaissance coaching program. Email me at info at if you'd like to learn more. Just know there is more in you. Are you ready to discover it? Well, I, I think I first started, I'd never really watched Alex Jones or paid much attention. I, I do have a lot of friends who, you know, who talk about some of his greatest hits, like of the frogs gay and stuff like that. Yeah, and man. also like I, I did a, a satire on <laughs> April 1st, I get, I got some friends together and I did a satire podcast, whether it was me, it was me, Donald Trump, Alex Jones, and Jordan Peterson. So it was like a thirty minute. It was all voice impersonators, like some friends of mine did imp- it was a hysterical episode. <laughs> I yeah. got totally review bombed on Spotify for it too. <laughs> People took it seriously, but I, I never really paid much attention to him and my my friend Jonathan does an incredible um, incredible Alex Jones. but you know I started um, talking to a family member um about these issues and 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 he was asking me, you know where do you get your where do you get your information from and he meant it very genuinely he's like, "Where do you get your information from?" Because the stuff that you're reading is not the stuff that I'm getting, because he, he, um, he watches more of the mainstream kind of news. and I, what I realized is that, like, well, the true answer to that is I get, my, I get my information from lots of different sources. You know, I just take in a lot of different stuff from different directions because I've learned how to be discerning in the information that I consume. And then I got to thinking, like, well what if there was, what if there was a news network that delivered the news that I get? but in a calm, reasoned, rational kind of tone where it's like, and this happened, you know, this the kind of stuff that I would see that isn't part of the mainstream, like Hunter Biden's laptop re- was revealed to be accurate today, you know, in this, really, in this really professional kind of way. So I realized, well, that doesn't exist. There is no single source. The closest thing is Alex Jones, who is this complete clown caricature, you know, you know um, former radio personality so bigger than life, And you have to sort of buy the whole package, right? Versus like, no, let's strip the personality and just present the bare information, let the information stand on its own, but that source doesn't exist. And he exerts this gravitational pull over all of that information, which takes down the credibility of all of it. And now he's on CNN and everything. And I was like, okay, there's a psyop.
2: It's like what I said, right? They're skilled in getting people's attention, right? Because that, that is where everything happens. So as long as he's able to capture your attention. The problem is, you know, he's, he's somebody who's, who's getting that. And yeah, I, I, I like what you say. He's kind of like an energy suck from like the actual real reporting to actually happen. So yeah, he's, he's it's total theater. It's total theater. And notice, notice the type of people on both sides of him. Are like feverishly, they're like zealots on both sides. Like Alex Jones is like, we gotta ban him from the world and ban him from Apple News and everything. I hope he gets his commutants today. And they get really upset by it. They're anxious. And then there's people on the other side, you know, I live in Texas, where they're like, I'm willing to go to the the Alamo for Alex Jones. (laughs) And, 1776
0: will commence.:
2: Yeah, like I'm ready to think about the reaction that you. Are any of them kind and factual or calm or confronting reality? No, they're just reacting to it, right? Yeah. Either blue or red pill, because he's able to get their attention, because he's able to he, he's, he, he's learned this, and he's able to do it. And I mean, who, who knows if somebody's behind him or not? probably is i would say there is coaching him on how to oh yeah get people's attention and then hit on the camera and to get people away from what the truth really is
0: yes yes i mean i i think and
2: jordan peterson as well too obviously you know oh
0: here we go here we are, go i cuz yes, okay. i can go in on jordan
2: peterson oh you can yeah, oh, yeah i mean jordan peterson's like even a lower hanging fruit than Alex Jones, I would think, because like notice these guys again, as I said earlier, w- you know, view them from the fruit that they bear. Like all these guys, like Alex Jones, Jordan Peterson, Scott, they all have miserable personal lives. Honestly, I think they do. And they it's because of the life that they've led. Um I guess it's 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 part of the script that they have to play out in a way.
0: Well, I, I think I've read Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life, and I and I really um, I'm not a, I'm not an acolyte to that book because a lot you know but there's a, there's the meme that goes around like at the age of like what 25 every man chooses a book to base his personality around and there's like the Fountainhead and you know Atlas Shrugged <laughs> and Twelve Rules for Life and the Communist Manifesto you know so so but I really enjoyed the book and in reading the book it's like reading any book like it's like you're sitting down with somebody. And you're having a conversation with them kind of one-to-one. The best books feel that way. And so as I was, as I was reading the book, I was like, he feels really genuine. And, and so my take on Jordan Peterson is that I don't think he ever intended to be the man that he's become. You know, I think he um, he was obviously very intelligent, very thoughtful, you know, but he's never pretended to be anything other than a, a liberal professor, an academic, right? Gigantic galaxy mind. But he, he, I, I think what happened is he said in 2017 some pretty basic truths that everyone was longing for. And he tapped into this enormous father hunger that exists in our society. And this giant wave rose up under him that he wasn't looking for. And I, th- I think he's tried to do the best that he can with it. Like, what am I going to do now that I'm this icon? Do I say no, don't pay attention to me? Do, and I, I think he was presented with a situation that none of us can really understand. I, I think he's. I think he's genuine, um, at, versus someone like an Alex Jones, who I don't believe. Who I don't believe is. But I. Th- I think that there. Are, there are just areas that he doesn't go into, um, but the net effect is still like. Well, it's like it's a bit like Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like I think Joe Rogan. I would love to hear him ask certain questions on the scale of his platform, but he has either decided or is unable to ask certain questions, and so that's just kind of how I see that. Versus, I think Alex Jones is like you know he knows the questions not to ask and therefore we'll never ask them
2: yeah i haven't i haven't put that much thought in it because honestly i don't really watch any of them anymore or read any sure, of them yeah so it's just like i don't know all look <laughs> they're they're just not i just don't find them interesting they don't right. they don't deserve my attention so i get it like i understand jordan peterson's 12 rules for life i've read through the book and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with any of those ideas. I don't think there's anything bad about them. Oh, and yeah, they they're do, good ideas. And they do offer guidance for men. I think that's great. And in a society that intentionally tries to instill poor values into men. Yes. And, and all yes. of that's fine. Yeah, and purposely, yeah. So what Jordan Peterson has to say isn't bad, but it's about how he lives his life. That is.
0: Oh, I see what you mean.
2: Right. So like his content that he writes doesn't align with his life.
0: Mm, yeah. A lot of people have, a lot of people have mentioned that. I've called yeah. that out.
2: Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's and, not about what it's about who. For Jordan. Yes.
0: Like, are you, are you the, are, are you, whoever you are? Are you the credible source, you know, to be talking about these things that you, that you talk about? Do you embody Do you embody the values and the wisdom that you, um, that you, that you espouse? It's like my argument against like fat trainers at the gym. Like, why would you ever train with a fat trainer? Like, do you know any, like, if you haven't put it to work in your own life, how am I supposed to trust that it's going to work if I apply it to my life?
2: Right. Yeah. I I don't take financial advice from broke people. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And Jordan Peterson is like taking spiritual advice from a spiritually broken person. So why would you do it?
0: Right. Yeah. A lot of, and then there's a, there's a lot of discussion right now because he did that message to the churches. Um, I think that was a week or two ago. And so a lot of um, Christian pastors like Doug Wilson and Michael Foster, you know, and, and responded to that, like, you know, thank you because a lot of things you said are true, but also like, are you the guy to be saying <laughs> that? And it's a valid question.
2: Right. It is a valid question.
0: Yeah, I agree. So who do who do you follow that that you like, or where are your what are your sources for inspiration, uplift? You know the guys who are like, yeah, that dude, that dude's
2: that dude's got it going on. Oh, man, nobody. That's <laughs> it. I'm serious. Fair, that's fair. <laughs> I hate saying that, but I'm more inspired by art and music. As I am. like you know, I, I said that Brahms. How about Brahms? Can I put that down as a? You can put that down. Yeah, he counts. I love Brahms and his content aligned with his life. He was somebody that cared a lot about how he composed symphonies and how he lived his life. Um, Beethoven, all of these these are these are more to me guidance for Liszt. I like, for, even though I don't agree with how Liszt lived, but the guy had a lot of passion for life. I'll give him that. So, yeah, I, I, I don't pick I, things that I read. Um, the Bible, um, listen to classical music. Um, I read a lot of uh, you know ideas for. I was just rereading the Inner Game of Tennis, which is actually a really great book. I was looking through that recently. But as far Inner as game.
0: that sounds familiar,
2: uh, the Inner Game of Tennis, yeah, um, it helps you get in the zone, which I think mm-hmm. is really important if you're creating. So. Yeah, a lot of these guys. I don't. I, I don't put. I don't put other human beings on pedestals. You know, it's just not right. how I roll.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, can we talk about some of these? One of one of the things that I wanted to do with the Renaissance of Men when I started was um, I chose the the name Renaissance very intentionally. Like it wasn't right. just, oh, that sounds like a cool thing. It's like because I do believe that what's going on with men right now is this sort of sea change, this rebirth process where it's decentralized. There's no leader of it. And lots of different men are going at it lots of different ways, like like the Renaissance artists were. And they weren't, they weren't in competition with each other like Da Vinci didn't compete with Michelangelo. They were just trying to produce incredible artwork and they were competing for mastery, but they weren't competing in that same kind of like, I'm trying to make more money than you kind of way. And so that's kind of what I see happening with men right now is you have thousands, millions of men around the world trying to become these kind of renewed versions of themselves and inspire other men to follow suit. And as part of the idea of the Renaissance, I wanted to get into art interpretation um, and music interpretation. And I ended up doing poetry because I know how to read and I know how to think, but I don't necessarily know about art and and music. Like I wouldn't know how to listen to, you know, a piece of music and be able to tease out the themes because it's a specialized thing. But I've always been so curious to be able to see classical music or hear classical music, I guess, through someone who can see, hear, see and hear the details in it. So if, if there's a, a composer or a piece that you'd like to share about, like that would just be almost a dream come true for me because I can't hear music the way that you do because I, didn't, I don't have a background in music. So I would love to sort of get into, you know, how does a man trained in classical music who teaches music hear a piece that maybe we've all heard um, our whole lives maybe?
2: Right. Well, that's a good question. So your question is, how do I listen to classical music? Is what you're asking.
0: Yeah. Or 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 you know, you name a piece that you happen to really like and uh, and sort of that you that you have handy, maybe in your mind, and just talk us through it. Like what do you hear when you're listening to one of your favorite pieces? And then I could direct all the listeners, I can put a link in, in the description and they can go listen to it, you know, listen to it and then hear your articulation of it. And see music the way that you see it. Does that make
2: sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It, or it,
0: classical music in general, I suppose, would work as well.
2: Right. I mean, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna listen to, if you're gonna listen to one piece of music, I would say it can be your favorite. Uh, I would say that you should listen to Bra- uh, Rachmaninoff Piano Concerto Number no. Two. Okay. I would say if you're going to start somewhere from a classical music, I think that would be a pretty easy thing. The way that I think there's a misconception for how people think classical music is written. I think they just think a composer sits down and he just starts writing random stuff. That's actually not the case.
0: <laughs> no, he doesn't like to start random, ra- randomly oh, writing. I would
2: start writing. You know, like if you ever see the movie Abadeus, right? Where like Mozart's sitting there, it's just like, boom, I'm just like zip zapping this music right out. Um, no, there's an actual structure to classical music. You know symphonies have a structure to it like there's a main theme there's the first theme it's like the protagonist of a story and then you have a second theme right which is the antagonist and the two and two the two compete to, against each other and then they evolve they grow and then at the end like there's like a really big finale so was, there's, there's an actual structure to classical music um wow. if i were to give you some tips to yeah it's the same as a story Right, people don't realize it, but classical music is structured the same as actual story, with sounds. Okay, yeah. And if you want to um, know more long about my mind, yeah, I guess people don't know that. Yeah, it's something. That, no, I mean, I, I grew, I didn't grow
0: up listening to classical music, but I got really into it when I was in college. But I didn't know what I was listening to. I just yeah, enjoyed, but, I enjoyed the way that I felt when I listened to it.
2: Yeah. So if you pick up a, you know, you can you can pick up like a Mozart symphony, and you can just all of a sudden. Um, start listening to it, you'll notice there's going to be a theme that gets your attention, captures you know, you hear it, you listen to it, and then there'll be a second theme that compares and contrasts to it. And then there will be like this long buildup. These two themes will grow together. And it'll be like a dramatic conclusion where the theme is in like its final form. But it's not that that's the part that's interesting. I'm just telling you how that, that can help you figure out what's going on. It's the ideas that are conveyed through music and the emotions and the soul behind it. And what I mean by that is, is that music is a representation of 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 an idea, right? That isn't Mm -hmm. expressed just into words. Like words fail to words fail to express it. So people search for a deeper way, right? And there's a lot of religious, you know, impact from from music as well, because you're going to be able to feel it, right? So when Shostakovich wrote his Piano Mm -hmm. Concerto Number Two. And uh, I would link the the second movement yeah. in the notes because that's the most beautiful. There's a lot behind it. Uh, it's a song that is incredibly beautiful. Incredibly beautiful. And this was written, I want to say it was written in the early 20th century when music started to become more modern, more angular, more, um, it was just falling in line with like architecture at the time and beauty was falling out of style. So much so that, Rachmaninoff was somebody who was trained at the time and he was really great at writing these beautiful sounds and these beautiful songs. His first, uh, I believe it was his first piano concerto after it was released. He was, all the critics came to him and were like, This is the worst work of art I've ever heard. It's so (laughs) cheesy. It's so corny. It's so innocent and so beautiful. Like, we don't write like that anymore. So much so that he had like a nervous breakdown for no 8 way. or 9 years. Yeah. And this is this is the cool part about this song is that it is it took him years to write it. He was told not to write that way anymore. So what did he do? He doubled and tripled down to, in, into it and made it even more, like more beautiful than anyone could ever imagine. So when that kind of music was falling out of style like the Stravinskys were in style, right? Mm-hmm. All of those those kind that that kind of music and he doubled and tripled down into it. So it, a, lot of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the reasons why I love classical music so much is because there's so much behind the creativity process that tells you so much about the human experience that you're not going to get when you watch the Marvel Endgame. Okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the cool thing about classical music, too, is that it's almost like a teleportation in time. It's like the closest to time travel you're ever going to get. You get to hear the music exactly how it was performed 200, 300 years ago. Nothing's different. Like, yeah, the audio quality may be better, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's notes on a page. Okay, a symphony is notes on a page. You can hand it to a series of musicians and they're going to play it and it's going to pretty much sound exactly the way it did hundreds of years ago. And it's your way of experiencing life in a different way.
0: That's beautiful. Like I, I, you're just blowing my mind right now, um, because I was thinking through as you were saying that it's time traveling and you're right, because if you were to um, like I did, a, I did a poetry for men episode about uh, Hamlet's soliloquy to be or not to be, and in the process of doing that episode, um, I got to look up different versions of it as it's been performed, basically since you know, since video existed, you know, recorded versions back into the 20th century, and each. Each different actor brings a different timely kind of kind of approach to it, and that's the that's the fun of it in some sense for theater is that how can we reinterpret this classic play through our contemporary lens? You know, um, different different actors embodying you would expect you know some sort of heroic looking Hamlet, or you can go with some sort of like a nebbishy looking Hamlet. There's an actor from the movie uh, Sideways, um, Paul Giamatti, he yeah. played Hamlet. You know what I mean? Like, he's not the guy that you would expect, you know, versus like a Kenneth Branagh, right? Like, what does that mean? So you can reinterpret it in all these different ways. But you're right that notes on a page are notes on a page. And if you if you perform it with the correct instruments, you are kind of time traveling and hearing something exactly the same way um, in real time. Because, you know, theater is a real-time art. Dance is a real-time art. But dance is so... like. Are there classic dances that people would watch? I don't think so. It's just, it's just opera. Even Actually, even opera is reinterpreted because there's the visual aspect of it versus classical music. You just listen, just close your eyes and listen. There's nothing to look at.
2: Right, and it, and it depends on what, sometimes you can go to an opera and they'll perform it the way that they did 300 years ago. There's people that specialize mm-hmm. in that. But it is a way of trying, it's, it's a way of seeing the world, experiencing the world in a different way. And learning, to me, that's interesting. Like, what's the lesson? Like, okay, why do I need to do this? Well, think about how amazing that is. Like somebody actually, like somebody existed that for eight years of their life, like did like therapy, tried to see the world in a different way, but he just couldn't see it in a different way. Maybe the world wasn't ready for that kind of music, even though they thought they were past it, right? Mm-hmm. And he knew the truth of beauty, that beauty is universal. And he felt so adamant about it That no matter how anybody else in the world could persuade him, he was going to publish this uh, uh, piano concerto. And not only that, it's arguably the most beautiful work that has ever existed. So he put all that into his soul. You know, It's an amazing thing. I guess, I don't know, maybe people are just like, I'd rather go listen to Taylor Swift, who had some dude who had one of those two guys write the same song for her, and they cranked out like 45 of them today. And they sound like a nursery rhyme. But, you know, I guess to to me, there's something deep about that. And to me, that brings me energy. Mm -hmm. Right? It ties back to that. The importance of that is, of listening to the great art and experiencing great art, is that it empowers you. It makes you wake up in the morning and go, wow, like (laughs) Shostakovich spent eight years, or not Shostakovich, I have a story about him too. But anyway, Rachmaninoff spent eight years doing this. and. You know, Shostakovich wrote his 10th symphony. That's another great symphony. He was afraid that he was going to get a bullet in his head when he wrote that. Why? But he still wrote it anyway. Well, he grew up, or he was around the time of Stalin. Oh, okay. And, you know, there's two 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 artists, that's the Prokofiev and Shostakovich, prominent Russian composers of that time period. And... Sostakovich's works were kind of, you know, they were listened to and they would listen to him and they would go, wow, you're just not really, doesn't look like you love our country enough when you're writing this music. (laughs) And they would, you know, and he would, you know, I don't think he had anything, you know, bad, but he was so nervous about what he would publish because of the way it would be perceived. And you have to think about that from like an art, like, you know. We can pretty much say almost what we want and mm-hmm. to an extent, with this guy, he would write like a classical symphony and people would come down on. So he wrote his ninth and he wrote his ninth kind of short because he didn't want to like upstage Beethoven. And you believe like classical music composers thought like that. Like I can't write a ninth symphony that's really good because Beethoven would get pissed. Even though he's dead, (laughs) just
0: skip it. Just like go from eight to ten.
2: Like the artistic integrity of these guys, yeah. So yeah, and and he didn't want to get killed. He had all these things going, so he was waiting. He waited forever to write to publish his tenth. I think he waited until Stalin died. I want to like. I want to. I want to say he waited until Stalin died. Okay, good call. And the second movement of that symphony is just so chaotic because it's a it's a it's an it's an It's a depiction of what's living under Stalin was like.
0: The second movement of the 10th symphony.
2: Yeah. By
0: Shostakovich.
2: Yeah. And so what he does in the third movement, which is absolutely brilliant, is he carves his initials into it. So like, he uses the notes of his initials and what they represent into the song as a way of saying, like, you can't silence me. You can't stop what I'm going to say and what what I want to say. So wow. that 10th symphony is extremely powerful. I mean, think about it. Like it's a way you're you, you know, learning it and listening to the music is a way of you understanding humanity at a deeper level. Well, so what resources
0: do you recommend? Because as if I were to go back and just, you know, rewind five minutes ago, and if I were to just like stop time and then go listen to that 10th symphony, like that that information wouldn't necessarily be obvious to me as a casual listener versus like, you know, Taylor Swift. At least there are lyrics that communicate what the song is. Supposed, to, what I'm supposed to think about the song, if, if nothing else, just start. So, listening. Just, just
2: let your. Nat- I think it's okay to let your natural curiosity guide you, right? So if you're like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm interested in classical music," I, you know what? This is hard to believe. I've listened to classical music my entire mm-hmm. life, and I still hear new pieces. That's the beauty of it. Like I swear, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's that many. And uh, you know, yesterday I just turned on YouTube and was like, "I'm going to go listen to a random classical music piece." One that I had never heard. It was some. It was a Brahms piece I had never heard before in my life, and I listened to it. It's okay. Let your natural curiosity guide you. It's it's okay to be in tune with that instinct.
0: Are there any artists that you listen to that are writing today that you think are any good, or is everything basically like since I don't know, 1950s it's almost like or whatever?
2: Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, because I'm not a huge fan of what the classical music composers write these days, but I feel like the, the synthwave genre. There's I think there's something really cool to it, like in a Frank Zappa kind of way. And what I mean by that is. Didn't see that coming. These guys are just in their houses. They're like one or two people. They're in their studios and they're writing what they feel. Yeah. And they're writing what, you know, they're writing for their audience. And they're, a lot of them are writing really interesting, beautiful music. And there's a lot of charm to that, in my opinion. And I enjoy it. I, that, those are the, the that's, that's what I enjoy. So. A lot of the modern synthwave guys, I I I, know, I I try to avoid the lyrics. I I try to avoid lyrics in general,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but I do enjoy a lot of the synthwave that's out there.
0: Can you recommend any artists? Because I've I've listened to synth synthwave. I put it on the background, but it's always been something like I'll put on a YouTube compilation where it's just a bunch of different tracks, and I've just got it because I know what is it? Rogue Wealth. Rogue Wealth talks a lot about synthwave, how it's like the what he listens to when he's working. Yeah.
2: Yeah, check a Take a look at uh, FM eighty four, and I would say Gunship. I think they're two of the best. This is a- if you're going to start somewhere. Those are two of the better ones, I would say. I'm, 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 I'm. Yeah, I would go with those two first.
0: It's it's funny you mentioned you know the, the music industry and Taylor Swift. Like I worked in the music industry when I lived in San Francisco. And one of the things that isn't well known, uh, you mentioned that all these songs are written by the same two or three guys, and that is absolutely true. But what's also, um, what's the way the music industry works today is, you know, we, we, a lot of us grew up in the age of like, you know, Michael Jackson or Prince or whatever, you know what I mean? These guys wrote their own songs and, you know, Prince went to war. Like Prince changed his name to that, that symbol um, because he wanted to earn, own the rights to his own, his own music. And Michael Jackson went to war with the music industry as well. And that was a whole big thing. Like lots of artists have done that. Want to buy the master recordings is what they all work towards. But now um, the way that it actually works is it's called a 360 deal. And a 360 deal means that um, you're an employee, like the, these musicians, some of the musicians you see on stage, pop stars, they're an employee of the record label. Their music is given to them. It's written by someone else. And then um, these, these employees essentially go and perform and sing and do the music videos and appear in magazines and stuff like that. And the label, and they get paid a salary. They get paid like a, like a six-figure salary, and the label makes everything. Makes everything else. It's called a three hundred and sixty deal. So, so many of the performers that were sort of force-fed today, they're 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 puppets. They're quite literally puppets, and that's why there are so many of them. Is that there are so many people that are like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a puppet job in the music industry and be disposable to to doing any other gig, but they get held up in our culture as these like incredible creators. It's like no, they're they're actors. They're actors that can that can sing and dance, and some of them can look nice, but that's that's about it. And when you contrast it with someone like a Shostakovich or someone like a Rachmaninoff, or Liszt or Brahms or whatever, these men who like they didn't they didn't have you know the ability to to uh, make uh make all the different sounds to test out their symphony. Like nowadays, you can open up Logic Pro and you can sequence something and hear how it sounds with you know strings and drums and everything and all that. All these guys, they wrote this stuff in their mind. They wrote it in their head. And yeah. that's, it's, it's almost incomprehensible to imagine the amount of genius that that takes.
2: Right. If you do it long enough, when you look at a score, like I can look at a score and hear the music in my head. Wow. Right. So, so yeah. Now I'm not at, I can't write like they write. <laughs> do, you, do you write music? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I perform it. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much to the extent but when you play it long enough you're going to be able to start to see what's on the page and be able to hear it in your head and but with those guys they can actually hear it, write it down. They have mastery of especially when it comes to multiple. It's 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 an, it's unbelievable what level these guys operate at, especially at being able to hear multiple sounds at the same time and the context for like how the harmonies are going to come out. It's it's absolutely amazing,
0: and it's a little bit like a it's a little bit like the artwork that you share because we grew up looking at so many fine oil paintings without really recognizing how difficult not just perspective is like to paint an actual an actual realistic looking painting with good perspective and in three dimensions and body proportions and everything, but the feeling looking at a painting of people like you're actually looking at people you're not looking at you know oil smeared on a page. You're, you, there's a There's an aliveness to the art that we have so much of it around us all the time, we don't appreciate the brilliance of it.
2: Yeah, I'm in in complete agreement with you. (laughs) And I I wish people spent more time looking at all these, listening to beautiful art, spending their time around, you know, your content, and I I talk about this from a Twitter perspective, your content is a reflection of what your life is and what you consume. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to become hyper aware of what you're consuming. And so all of these disposable things, I don't, I don't find any value to them. But I do find value in Shashkovic, Brahms, uh, Rachmaninoff. They're interesting people. Their content aligns with their life. It's inspiring. It brings me energy. So that's why I continue to consume their content. I want to
0: bring this back around to Twitter now. And I, and I want to talk about how all this has fed in to your own approach to your own successful Twitter account and the courses that you offer and the education that you provide. So we've talked a lot about a lot about a lot of different things. So we've talked about a man having a purpose and a religious mission. And we've talked about art and beauty and uh, anxiety and, and defeating anxiety and your, your background and education and, and your self creation process. And it's all manifested in this, in this Twitter account. I think you have what, well over a hundred thousand, followers. Now, not that the number necessarily means anything, in itself, but as a measure of success, like how does all this feed into kind of what you do now on a daily basis? Like the man that you are today versus who you were, you know, I guess it was like six or eight years ago. Like how do all these come together in your, in your current mission?
2: Well, I found while I was growing on Twitter, I started to grow rather quickly and I had a little bit of a learning curve, but I started writing these threads and sharing my life story and talking about how I became financially independent. and. A lot about my feelings as a public school teacher, so my account grew very quickly. And I sat there and I was like, "This is really interesting." Like, what? I almost started to wonder what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I sat out and was. One of the things that fascinates me is how social media works and what works. I'm a I'm a fan of persuasion, a fan of reading about this and uh, these kinds of topics. I find very interesting what makes people what makes people's, uh, tick at a core level. So I started to think about that from a social media perspective in my account. And I started to analyze all the data that I had behind my account. Like, what kind of tweets are working? What are people interested in? How do I decide what is, what is working? How do I know what a viral tweet is going to be even before I write a viral tweet? Um, is there a way that we can systemize the process in any way? Um, is that impossible or can we do that? Or how am I approaching Twitter? Why are we growing? Like, so I started asking all of these questions and started to put my first course together, which was called Create 24-7, which was a guide on how to create content on Twitter or Twitter. There's a lot of people come to Twitter and like, well, what do I write about? What am I doing? So, from a day one perspective, the course is put together because it's basically my journey put into words. I started on Twitter. And before I had started my account, I had never written a tweet in my life, ever. Hmm. I, I never had written a tweet. I just opened, I had been consuming content on Twitter for ages and thought of an idea, started writing about it and just taking detailed notes the whole way because why I was growing was as fascinating to me as, as what was happening, okay? So that's what the course is about. That's why we have that course, Create 24-7. Social media fascinates me. I think the, it gives an opportunity for people who have different opinions, a platform uh, that is desperately needed in society. So I think, it's, uh, so I think it, it's, it's needed to understand how it works, right? So that you're on a level playing field with people who have trillions of dollars and have studied persuasion for years.
0: Mm. And this can't, I mean, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing that I learned from your, from your courses, that it is possible to learn this art because i was on twitter for i don't know a year and a half or something like that and i had i had i had more success than i probably deserved but i still didn't have a whole ton of success and i realized that i was using it twitter in particularly completely wrong and i just because twitter does have kind of a brutal learning curve compared to other social media platforms compared to instagram for example like on instagram you can choose a really evocative beautiful image from from stock photography or clip art or pinterest or something like that and if you if you pick a beautiful enough image and you write compelling enough long form content, you can get up to, you know, I think you can get up to what 2800 characters or something like that in a single post, you can actually do quite well. But Twitter doesn't work like that at all. In fact, you don't you can't use you can use images. And it can be very powerful if you do. But there are plenty of people who don't. And they're able to condense their thoughts into such compelling, you know, one sentence formats that they go viral around the world. And that's where the that's where the conversation is like, the world wouldn't freak out if Elon Musk was going to buy Instagram. Like, no, everyone would be like, "What?" But Elon Musk goes to buy Twitter. Whatever was actually going on with that, and the whole world freaks out because that's how powerful Twitter is. And I just never understood how to go about using that tool. And once, once uh, you and I had that first kickoff conversation, I think it was um, it was Create Twenty Four Seven that I bought. Once we had that kickoff conversation, it was such a massive mind shift for me that wait a minute, I can actually use this tool very powerfully to benefit my own ends as opposed to just kind of like this trial and error process that I've been trying. Um, I, I don't know that enough people really understand that.
2: Right. On a, on a, most people aren't meant to be content creators. That's, that's, true. that's <laughs> they aren't. True. And I, and I, and I want to get this out of the way is like the, the writing that you learn in public schools is not the same kind of writing that makes it on Twitter yeah. and it's not very persuasive yeah. writing and i think a lot of public i think a lot of what you in academia even it denies the fact that we're emotional creatures so there's a very like logical component like cite your sources in academic yeah. writing cite you, you what source did you have there you get sourced all the time there um, you know or is it is this grammatically correct is there a comma is your punctuate none of that stuff matters mm-hmm. right yeah yeah you you need to understand and A lot of what we talk about in Create Twenty Four Seven, and we also have another one with templates. If you really don't know, if you that's the best place to start. If you have writer's block, um, is 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 focusing from an emotional perspective. Like, how do you evoke emotion in your tweets? How do you get people to share it with other people? Right, that's what our course goes into. And how do you go? How do you? What are some of the ways that you that you get people to do that? Okay, so what one of the things is you need to. It all starts from an awareness perspective, right? So what you need to do is you start, it's kind of like what I told you with the classical music, right? You need to pick down a couple people and start consuming, you, you, you need to curate the content that you're going to read on Twitter first, right? So pick a general direction and then write down some of the biggest names that are on the platform. Start reading their content. Start studying their content. Take a look at how they write tweets, what words they're continually using. Write it down right now the 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 point of it isn't so that you're going to start copying your tweets the, support, the point is so that you can understand what at least one account is doing right okay that's going to be able to give you like a general direction so start looking at what other people are out there and then from there you're going to establish your own unique writing voice and like for instance if i was an if i was an artist okay i wouldn't just one day just pick up a canvas and start painting I would have studied art history, art appreciation for years, right?: Well,
0: do you, I mean before you, you study art, art appreciation and then you pick an artist that you emulate, or is that is that, kind of, is that kind of the idea? Because I think in culture, we just kind of learn like just pick up a brush and start and start painting versus t- Twitter, it definitely makes sense to just discover what is successful on the platform, but then at a certain point, you can't, you can't just keep emulating that. Like I remember when um, you and I first started talking. And I think I came in to um, create 24-7 and, and I remember, you know, oh, the Renaissance of Men. The first time I heard that name, like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and I remember you said that. I asked you about it later because, because there are so many men that, that, that on, the, on Twitter especially adopt this kind of like statue kind of, you know, copy copy and paste kind of attitude towards masculinity and writing about that. So uh, at a certain point, like, yes, begin with what's successful, but you have to differentiate yourself after that. Like, who are you in that in that? In that, in that world, I guess.
2: Right. But you need to be starting from some kind of basis. That's true. I don't know a jazz musician in the world that has just been like, yeah, I just picked up the saxophone. <laughs> that doesn't exist, right? Right. So <laughs> they don't exist. It's like, oh, yeah, I love my, you know, I was influenced by my- Miles Davis or you know X, Y, Z. So it's really the concepts that I've learned from the art world. It's you're, Every single artist that's out there has had somebody who they have meant have, have they've appreciated before. Okay. Is that, I mean, like, do you think Michelangelo looked at other people's works of art? Of course he did. He knew exactly what everybody else was doing at the time. know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, So the same concept applies to Twitter. Start making a list. Being uh, t- The point is to be intentional about what you consume. That's the key. All right. You're not sitting there just like doom scrolling all day long you're paying attention to what works and you're starting to take notes. From there, you start to get you, the next part of it is how do you find your voice, okay? Well, you need to start get, getting comfortable with the with the with being creative. And I think this is a big block for a lot of people. So one of the ways that you can do that is is just from day 1, you're going to need to start forcing yourself to write. Like you wake up in the morning and write 10 tweets. Get mm-hmm. comfortable with 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 putting your ideas down. All right and uh I, I stole that a bit from James Altucher who has an idea is like wake up and write down 10 ideas a day well tweets a lot like an idea write down 10 tweets per day take a look at them and uh the next day what will happen is you're going to you're consuming intentionally you're going to sit down you're going to you're going to write your own 10 tweets per day the next day you'll wake up take a look at them take a look at like two or three of them and you'll be like man eight of them are trash <laughs> right that's not good. But you know what? These two, they're pretty good. How about I just tweak it like one or two different ways? And then all of a sudden, you post that onto the timeline. Your content is going to be more, is from, from your ideas perspective, you're consuming properly. That's more intentional. And what you're writing is going to be more intentional as well. You have to get comfortable with the create content. The other part of this is in the art world, when you're in a process of content creating, uh, or this is for anything really. It's called the creativity faucet. And I noticed this when I was a musician, when I was playing comp constantly, I would always be in the zone. Okay. You don't need to warm up if you're constantly performing Mm -hmm. because it's just like, whoa, I'm just going right back on stage. And it's the same when it comes to Twitter. One of the problems people have is that they just write like one thing and then they're like, well, what do I, what you, you, again, if you're writing every single day, you're constantly, you're building up a library, you're learning how to get in the zone. Creativity faucet is it takes time for you to find the good stuff. So let's say you spend like, let's say you're, 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 you're doing something and it takes you like three hours. Well, that first hour might be the worst part of your work. Mm-hmm. And then finally you get into the second and third, you need to keep going when you're on fire, right? Cause that's where you are. It's where the creativity faucet is. You're, you're getting to the good stuff. I remember years ago, I heard a quote um, from a classical, a classical composer,
0: I think he was also a performer. And he said, uh, if I don't practice for one day, I can yeah. hear the difference. Right. You maybe even you know this one, if, if, if I, I don't practice it,
2: I, I know what, I know what that's like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If I don't practice for one day, I can, I know the difference. If I don't practice for two days, the orchestra knows the difference. If I don't practice for three days, the audience knows the difference. Right. So you got to really keep in that. And I, and I, I really took that to heart over time where it's like, you can feel if you take a day off you know, and you can really feel like I'm off my game today, but if you let it go for long enough, then everyone will, everyone will see. And there isn't, there is a game aspect to it. There is a, you know, people expect you when, when you build up a following, when you, when you get these things going, there is that expectation of, of being able to provide a great experience for people who have invested you with the trust of their attention. And there's a, there's a fun aspect to that as well. Um, And there's a responsibility
2: too. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. You're putting pressure on me, man. I don't (laughs) know, but you're absolutely right about that. What you build an audience, it's a lot different than when you're just starting. There's a lot of expectations for, and what people, I like, and and the creative process changes a lot. Like when you have 136,000 followers, right? That's what I have something like that right now. Mm Mm-hmm and you have a whole library full of tweets. The content creation process changes a lot. And and the reason behind that is because you know what people So I'll approach Twitter and I'll go, okay, what are people well what 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 do people need to hear and what do people want to hear? And I try to bridge that gap.
3: Mhm. Well,
2: do you like I know we we before we started
0: recording, we were talking about um Instagram versus Twitter and the different content that you might be, um, that you might be sharing on the, on the two, uh, platforms. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Because, um, you know, there's a certain, like Twitter is a, can be a pretty tightly controlled dialogue space and there's a little bit more freedom on Instagram. And I'm curious how someone who creates at your level bridges that gap because, you know, you're, you're, you're flying pretty high in this really great way. And yeah. sometimes, you know, along like the things that people need to hear are the things we're not actually allowed to say, right? So, I mean, I guess there's a component of
2: show versus tell in there, perhaps. Absolutely. And I was just about to say that on a, on a Twitter level, you have to remember how the platform works. It's, you're, you're limited by a certain amount of characters, right? Which, which is, a, there's a beauty to that as well. Right? It's, it's like writing haikus really, right? You're, yeah. you're limited to X, Y, Z amount of characters. So, it's not like I can go deep into what I don't like and and it's not the place for that. Like, it's cool that we're able to talk today and I can talk about what I think about Alex Jones and mm-hmm. how little I think about it and <laughs> yeah. and how what I, you know, what I think about social media and attention and anxiety. And I can I can write about that on Twitter too in the same way, but it's going to hit at a different level. Like I wrote yesterday, a man becomes 10 times more powerful when he realizes that he no longer needs to be anxious. And then I started talking a little bit about anxiety in a follow-up tweet. But I'm not hitting this on like why there, okay? I'm just showing people on a surface level that it's something that it is important and trying to bridge the gap between, um, like here's one about anxiety that I tweeted about, but it's not about that. It's called, I, I tweeted this one, did pretty well. Deleting your Facebook account is top tier self-care. I saw that. That's I love great. that one. That's great. That's great. And because to me, Facebook's all the worst parts about social media. Combine really. the one, right? Yeah. You're not learning anything on Facebook. You're not making money on Facebook. And you're not networking with the right kinds of people. Those are like all of the good parts of social media. Facebook mm-hmm. doesn't allow you to do any of those things. And you'd be like, oh, well, I get... I mean, it's basically for some person that you're hardly friends with to share their political opinions that you don't really care about. And for them to pretend like they're they're reaching a large audience, they're not, okay? They're not influencing anyone mm-hmm. on those platforms. So it's a waste of time, okay? So Twitter is really interesting and it's a beautiful platform because you can do all of those things. You can make money, you can learn new things, and you can meet new people. I met you on on Twitter right mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know you before this I've learned new things on Twitter Twitter has ma- has allowed me to retire from my nine-to-five job yeah. like how amazing is that and and it's made me money I've been at a stage where I became financially independent because of the knowledge that I learned on Twitter isn't this shocking now yeah. if I had been on, so instead of talent you know instead of going into why I think Alex Jones is a waste of time and Jordan Peterson's a waste of time and all of those other things are all waste of time. Um, I can tweet about the things that you should do. Now, this is something that I, I want to talk I, I could talk about a little bit more. Okay. The way that you can tell somebody is a psyop is because they never tell you what you're supposed to do. Okay. They're only talking about the other side and about how wrong, how evil they are. Okay. Oh, okay. And that's, and that's to put you into the anxious states. So this Are there like how to actually, they don't offer you any real advice. Okay. It's all there to get you addicted and give you dopamine hits about how you're on our team. You're so awesome because you believe what I do. There's nothing, there's nothing. And then everything is a double down into that. There's nothing, there's nothing there for you to look at and go, wow, like I can actually become a better person because they don't want you to become a better person. Hmm. That's why
0: so they want to keep you in an emotional state um yes that versus actually like give you something actionable to take you out of the emotional state this is my argument uh, argument against red pill kind of alpha culture in a lot of ways like it's designed to get men all ginned up and angry against women or whatever and because when you keep men trapped in this prison of being you know anxious angry whatever then you can sell them medication for the wound, right? You inject poison into them and they get all yeah. worked up and then you sell them the medication for the poison. It's really not so too different from what our world does, but it's done on the back of men who are really looking for answers about their lives. And it's one of the saddest things about being in this, this world, this masculinity space is that there's so, much, there's so much predatory behavior and it's not limited to this space, but there's so much predatory behavior. Like there's so many hurt, angry, disappointed, fatherless men out there and to look at this enormous amount of suffering and to say, you know what, I can make a lot of money from that is just beyond, like, I, I, I'm, I'm really going to actually keep thinking, <laughs> I, I'm never going to, like, anxiety is the weapon, like, wow, like, you, like I think that, that knowledge, you know, is going to continue to deepen in me, like it hit me in the moment, but like, yeah, it's the gateway to evil, because if you can, it doesn't matter what community you're a part of, you can be blue pill, red pill, purple pill, black pill black pill, especially, right? You know, yeah. but if you can keep people in this anxious state, because I know lots of, and even in the black pill world, like people follow all these accounts, like, oh, food shortages are coming. We're all going to die. And it's like, well, what are they advertising? They're advertising gold and emergency food supplies. So if they can keep you anxious, they want you to buy the stuff that relieves your anxiety. Right. And and it's just, it's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. I don't know. Like, that's going to sit with me for a long time, actually. And about or the, the and they,
2: well, what what it is is you you go to them begging for the solution, so yeah. they create the problem, right? They cause you to be anxious, and then you look at it like, oh, I need their e need X Y Z product and need to consume it, and be and or be hooked on whatever this guru or whatever type has to say forever, and they and or they take away your rights if it's from a government perspective, right? Right. Like, have you ever seen a tragedy happen and you gain more rights? Right. Do you think no. that tragedy's real? No, of course not. Like, the plan was to take away, they reverse engineered it. They're like, oh, we need to take away people's rights. I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> how about a flu, but not? <laughs> yeah, and you could just take a look through the history books. That's, that's how it works. I haven't, so, yeah. Because the tragedy happens to put you in that anxious state to cause you to go to their solutions. And you need to be aware of that. Notice that none of these guys who are on social media or media figures tell you how to get out of it, right? Right. They never, they never give you like the real sauce. They don't go like, you know, this is what... like If, if Alex Jones was out there inspiring people to like become better human beings every single day, day in and day out. And he was like the avatar for that. And he was like helping you get it and helping people go after it and just crush it. And uh, yeah, occasionally naming some things and saying, hey, this, this, this. But he doesn't do that, right? It's just, he, he's, he's anxious. He's always in an anxious state himself because he's trying to model that for you so that you're there along. It's, it's like a pacing and leading technique that he's, that he's mm-hmm. doing.
0: You know, I, you just helped me realize what it was that I really got out of Create Twenty Four Seven, because what I really got out of that thirty day course. Obviously, I got a ton of you know connections and knowledge and wisdom and support. Um, but what I really got, and I, and I really do mean this, um, is that that course took away all my anxiety in terms of being able to use Twitter and, and, in a larger sense, social media. Because I think there was always this no, this knowledge that yes, I was using it, you know, to to promote a message but i didn't feel in control of how i was using it because i didn't know how to drive the truck right but and and there was always there was always this knowledge that i wasn't driving it correctly but what i learned what i learned through your course was how to drive the truck of twitter and I, I just realized just how little anxiety i feel when approaching twitter now like it's a feeling of like no i can actually use this thing for my own benefit like that's it's kind of the fulfillment i don't know if that was your intention with putting the course together but i don't know that i've really thought through up until this point what it was that I really walked away with that transformed my relationship to social media, which how is how we started the conversation, like learning from you, transform my relationship with social media, because I recognized that I could use it for my own purposes and not be used by it. And so that just eliminated this entire source of anxiety in my life of not knowing something that was so fundamental to existence. So it's kind of like the manifestation of everything that you've been talking about in your whole perspective, like you manifested it in these courses applause to you sir like thank you right and i really do like this just hit me as we've been talking
2: right yeah it it is it is intentional okay right from from the beginning of the course is is i ask people to start to define themselves Mm -hmm. so it's like you have to and i clearly lay you know this is a lot with century of the self in mind when i wrote this is like you're going to need to define who you are right Mm -hmm. are you a consumer and then I actually list what a consumer does, right? Are, or are you a creator, yeah. right? And I'm coming at from the creator perspective is all of my knowledge and my existence of being in the art world and seeing master creators defining you and the content creator the same way and the standards that we have ourselves in the art world. So it's like, here's a list. This is what consumers do. This is what creators do. Which one are you? Who are you? right? Because you need, and I know I hate saying the word mindset, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, being a content creator is kind of like running a business on your own. Mm-hmm. I, there's, there's a way of, of saying this. There's a way you have to like, you have to earn people's business. You have to earn people's followers. Yeah. You have to, you have to project energy out onto the timeline and you need to be relentless about this. And you have to be comfortable sharing your ideas and your knowledge with the world. And most people aren't comfortable doing that. Most people are comfortable consuming all day long. They're like, hey, I had a really long day at work. I'm going to go plop myself down in front of this Netflix movie that is, you know, that wants me to think a certain way. Right. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing different about creating content on Twitter or on YouTube or even Instagram. Um, If you want to be good at it, you need to dedicate yourself to the process. It holds true in any form of art.
0: So what, what, what do you see as the difference between Instagram as you're just starting to get into it and Twitter? Like, what do you see the advantages of those two platforms? Because I know a lot of guys in the masculinity Uh, space, you know, since taking your courses, like I've been a total stand, like guys, you got to get off Instagram. Instagram is a dead end for talking about masculinity in a lot of ways. There are a lot of things that work really well there. I don't know. Like you got to get on Twitter.
2: Well, I'm, I'm in my, I've only been seriously taking, uh, instagram seriously for like maybe two okay, weeks <laughs> but i have like a but right now i have like 4100 followers it's not it's That's not bad change. for only taking it seriously but, for
0: a short time
2: yeah the the instagram game i think has i think it has more upside i'm mm. starting to yeah i really do and it's because there's you know i i like i posted something and uh you know there, there's more normies out there and so I think you're like, I posted something, I, I posted one of my tweets on Instagram. I spent 20 years teaching public school and I have a master's degree in education. Trust me, homeschool your yeah, children. Yeah, legend. And so I was starting get, yeah, right. And I've had that tweet go viral actually multiple times. And when I post it on the Twitter or uh, on Instagram, you'll get more people. What a horrible post. <laughs> Schools teach the essentials of socialization. <laughs> <laughs> Let kids be normal, right? Like, you know, what is normal? That doesn't mean right. anything. But um Instagram I think has amazing upside. And I think because you can write a lot more there and you can tell pictures with stories in a much deeper way. I'm gonna be I'm I haven't I haven't executed yet on it. So I don't really want to talk sure. about too much of it because I'm not I'm not I'm still organizing my ideas but i think you can go after things in a deeper way i think twitter doesn't twitter twitter doesn't really allow you to get deep in my right. opinion i mean yeah you could post a meme and you could say yeah that meme's deep or a tweet that can hit you like right in the feels or something like that and yeah that's all fine but the but the thing i like about instagram is that you don't have to post every single day your type of posts are more dynamic, and you can go much deeper into hmm. it. Um, yeah, and imagery is something that is at your disposable from a from a deeper perspective. There's a lot of things I want to do on Instagram. I just I just need to go out there and do it.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, I've been telling all the guys I've been telling all the guys to move over to Twitter, but it sounds like um, it's, a, it's
2: No, no, no. Uh, go on Twitter. Okay. Go on Twitter. Twitter is where like I. Twitter is where like single standalone ideas win. Okay. Okay. And you're enabled in your ability to distill them. That and you telling your life story through threads. Okay. It, those it's it's kind of like almost the polar opposites, work on Twitter. But Instagram is kind of like, I feel, you know, with posts, with carousels, with reels, there's so many ways that you can approach this. And I've already and I've already started to do like themed carousels. And my last one got like over 2,000 yeah. likes. And I'm not even that big of an account on that platform and i can already start to see the potential behind it and i'm already like just like oh boy we can really tell some really interesting stories you know the cool thing about memes i was thinking about memes it's like memes really do put you on the same level they have such a huge impact on people they put you on the same level as <laughs> some of these brilliant you know uh it's like you know taking the same stage social media is like you're really taking the same stage with or against certain ideas, yeah. and you can yeah. throw these kill shots down. It's a fantastic place to be.
0: I think it's amazing that we can go from talking about in the same in the same account, the same art of purpose approach. You know, from talking about high level, you know, uh, classical music and, and fine art, and then memes. Like it's a real sign. It's a you know, yeah. in spirituality and religion, that you've managed to put all these pieces together into a single online identity is a real sign of 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 hitting on something important because i think a lot of men they they establish this online identity and offline for that matter that's really that's really narrow but if you can express the totality of who you are as a person and make it all fit together you know that's that's the result of a life lived with purpose because a life lived with purpose everything that's unessential gets cut away like your mustang has to fall away but everything that's essential gets highlighted and
2: surfaced and you don't have to leave anything essential behind I agree with all you just said. <laughs> right. I do kind of tweet a, I, I do tweet like a pretty wide. I'm I'm not I'm not niche down, you know. I do tweet about pretty much anything that is on my mind, and I've kind of set myself up that, you know, way for a long time. I tweet mm-hmm. about what I want to tweet about. I tweet about public schools. I tweet about family. I tweet about making money, right? And uh, sometimes people are like, "Why are you tweeting about making money, man?" Well, that's who I am right? At the end of the day, what you should be writing about is your life, okay? Your content is your life. And it's you sharing that story with the world. Hmm. If it's in a platitude or a meme or a something, then that's what you're doing. And, and from there, you're gaining a better understanding of what you've gone through. So what do you write about? You write about you. You write about what you've done. And you put it out there in ways that people understand. I guarantee that you know, somebody, I get this a lot from people. My life is so uninteresting and boring. Well, it's a shame you think like that. Yeah. Like, it's, that's a tragedy in itself. But I bet that there is something you've learned within the past few years that your f- former self needs to hear, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of my tweets are engineered to who I was in my 20s. Like, think about who you were in your early 20s. I bet there's a lot of things <laughs> that you needed to hear. <laughs> a, lo- a lot of things. A lot, a lot of, of too. Water too, right? So yeah. so a lot of the times when I write these tweets, I'm not just tweeting what's on my mind. I'm tweeting what I needed to hear. Because I know that if I needed to hear it or who I was six months ago or six years ago needed to hear it, there's somebody else in my shoes right now that needs to hear it as well. And it's important to them.
0: Can we can we talk a little bit? I know you've been very generous with your time, and I know that you have you have a uh, you have lots going on and, and many DMs, but can we can we talk a little bit about because you're a father now mm-hmm. and you're talking about advice to yourself in your twenties and I, and I'm curious like your own growth path, how you were raised you know did you like you needing to hear some of these things how did how have you become the father that you are did you learn from your own father because I find that some of these subjects are so important today that our upbringing for better or worse can help us bring become the men that we are either by evolving on it in a positive sense or reacting from it. Like my upbringing, I reacted from it, had to go on a big, long journey to kind of come back into understanding what, of a, what I grew up with was a value. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because, I mean, I guess you also grew up in the classical music world and that's a, that's a pretty high performing world for, for a kid, you know, to be 10 years yeah. old and singing the national anthem, like you don't get there because the 10-year-old wants to show up and practice every day, like you're, you're cultivated in that direction.
2: Right. One of, the, one of my most viral tweets and one of the themes that I tweet about often is that you should forgive your parents. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had this tweet go viral multiple times. I think that a lot of younger guys, they hold this deep kind of hatred for the cards that they've been dealt. And you mm-hmm. can see this on like how people talk about boomers and how they talk about older generations. And, I, I, you know, I'm just going to be real. Your parents weren't able to break the, the psyops and the psy, They weren't... It, there's, it was too much, right? And they probably didn't even see it coming. All right? so to, 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 yeah. You may have been put in a bad situation now, but I'm going to assure you, if they knew what the magic bullet was, they would have pushed the trigger. Okay? Right. Right? And they did their best with what they... Your, your parents are coming from a place of love and they did their best with what they knew and i think it's important for people to recognize that that's going to relieve anxiety from you as well
0: mhm and and you've been go ahead sorry
2: yeah so i needed to hear that you know i grew up in a blue collar house and you know we didn't talk about money we didn't talk about we just did regular things you know and i'm not saying it was bad but have you ever seen the movie rushmore i haven't but i'm I, I know of it I you know okay so i was I was a little like that guy, okay, and I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of guys that are, especially high achievement, just like you know he he's almost like ashamed he wasn't brought up with everything perfect, so I went to college and I was there on full scholarship, okay mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, all of these kids they get whatever they they got whatever they wanted, they got whatever they need they um you know you're looking at their lives it was really eye-opening to me because i was like wow they went to like elite private schools they went to x man i never had any of this stuff Mm -hmm. and when you start comparing yourself to the world when you're a young man and you don't have certain things and you see people that are wealthier than you and have more than you part of what you do is you start to blame your parents Like, oh, I wish Mm -hmm. my parents would have been a little harder towards me. Or I wish my parents would have let me get this ice cream cone. Or I wish (laughs) the parents like, you know, and there's always a something. And I've talked to a lot of young guys. I've talked to so many young guys. And I'll tweet some of these, forgive your parents things. And there will be some people that get really, you don't know how bad my parents were. Well, I realized something in life as I got older. The older I get, the more I realize that I never should have ever been upset with my parents. Because any time I was ever upset with my parents, it was really a reflection of what was inside of myself. The more successful yeah. you get in life, the more you detach yourself from that. So, you know, I get to a stage now. It's like, is it really my like? I, I look at back and I go, man, I can't believe I was like upset at my parents for not doing this. You know, you look back at it and you go, that was dumb. I should have never been anxious or worried about what was going on because things would have worked out in the end anyway. So a lot of these young guys that are out there, you know, parents go through a lot in life. And every parent I know loves their children. That's how people are wired. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 99.9. Okay. There might be an exception that's out there. But even if you did have a bad background, even if you did, let's say it's as bad as you thought it was. Everything is true what you say. Well, you know what? Now the responsibility is on you because you just became aware of it. Instead of holding that hatred inside of yourself and being anxious, why don't you heal and break the cycle instead? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can hold on to it forever and you can you can backwards allow your upbringing to define you by constantly dragging it along with you or you can grow and transform as a result of it.
2: I see a and lot of I see a lot of men even in their 30s that are still yeah. like, I wish my dad did this. Well, how you know? At some point, you have complete sovereignty over your own life. Basically, you're telling me your dad is still in control of your life. You have complete right. control. You need to approach life from you have a complete control perspective, even if it's true or not true. You need to think that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you need to make it true. You need to make it true. <laughs> you need, yeah, you need to start putting those steps of process. If it's not, so sitting around blaming your parents all day, I think is kind of like a plague that is that is going on and uh i think schools condition kids to think that their parents are bad um Mm -hmm. no like oh your parents are bad they they live in suburbia or they drive a pickup truck or they don't do this and uh, they they didn't spend enough money to send you to college overpriced college you know so you should be upset at them because the result was in your life, or because your parents didn't do enough, I think a lot of people would heal if they had just, you know, forgiven them and take responsibility for their own life. So when you have your own son, is it's it's different. It's life is going to hit you differently. Mm-hmm. I think one of the big lies that's told to people is that oh my gosh, you'll never have any time or energy once you have kids. Uh, that's one of the things that made me. Work harder than anyone. Mm-hmm. Is I was not going to fail. I, I had never. It's it's really interesting. When I started, I I had never one part of my time I had never thought about. It. Like the, failure was not even an option. Like I was going to make it. Like this this account was going to make it. People were going to love it. And this was I knew it was going to happen. And a lot of that is because you know I have a son, and it's like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna approach the world with a different mindset once you have kids. Your actions carry a different kind of weight to it.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that you know your son was born right around when COVID happened, right when you lost your classroom, right when you hit seven figures. Like it's kind of it's kind of uncanny how all this happened at once, right? Like what a what a what a forced mindset shift in terms of everything that you had really held dear, right? Like you have this identity. We all grew up with this this economic identity of ourselves. And suddenly you shatter that economic identity when you hit six figures of wealth or seven, seven figures. Oh. Yeah, and then and then um, and then you you're a, you're a teacher, and suddenly you can't really teach anymore because you can't do band practice through Zoom. So you lose that, right? And then the whole world goes into like this this undeclared world war essentially starts, right? And and it's like, and, and then you become a father. It's kind of like you lost you lost everything you were and then you gained all the the seeds of all these new things kind
2: of all at once it's a little strange it is a little strange <laughs> there was a lot going on at that time period and yeah. how how again how you respond to tragedy is going to make or break you in life
0: and and blessings too right, right. like it's like Not it's like tragedy and blessings like whoever has so much tragedy and blessings happen at like the same t-
2: the same time yeah absolutely Tragedy, oh, yes, tragedy. I want to make that clear. It's tragedy and blessing at the same time. Yeah, Sorry. well, yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's so, the mix, right? Yeah. So, well, and, and a little bit is, is how you view things, right? Is it a tragedy or is it a blessing, right? It's an opportunity for you to improve. So, and that's, that's a little bit when I want to, I'm not harping on a tragedy. I'm saying that how you respond to bad events in your life is going to define who you are. Okay. So you could say like, oh my gosh, I just lost my classroom. And now they're telling me, oh my gosh, now I got to, when we come back to school, oh, you got to work twice as much now. Right. (laughs) It's like, oh man. Okay. And of course we're not going to pay anymore. (laughs) And, and you're like, oh, okay, I got to do. So how you respond to certain, to things that happen to you that are bad is going to define. It's just, it is who you are.
0: And then how is, um, so you've become a father. And you've you've had all this incredible success and it's rewired the way that you think about um, your life and when you're going to pass to your son. And I'm sure it's rewired, you know, your extended family, like um, your parents as well, like looking like congratulations to our, our son who's done all this incredible, these incredible things. But I'm, I'm sure there's also a component of them not really understanding how you acquired seven figures of wealth more through the internet. Like, is there that kind of generational gap? Like we don't really understand it, but hey, good job. Or do they actually understand sort of what it is that you do?
2: No, they don't. Know that. I don't even understand what I do. But my clears <laughs> <laughs> like that up. My parents know. I when I told my dad, I was like, "Hey, look, this is this is this is what a good daddy is." Though I told my dad, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna be quitting my job in the classroom, and, and you know, I have a master's degree. I'm fairly good at what I did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm gonna be. I'm quitting my job, uh, and I'm gonna be running a social media page online, <laughs> and." <laughs> It sounds absolutely bizarre. And he's like, I I just remember his reaction to it. it. was like, I don't understand any of what you're talking about. But he's like, I I know that if you're going to do this, there must obviously be a good reason. So I support it. That's awesome. Yeah, that was his response to it. Because I actually had to sit down and talk with him. Because I was like, man, they're going to. I hope people don't react to this like the time I sold the uh, Mustang and bought a Leaf. So, you know, I said. <laughs> uh, Some people, I I guess regular people at my job, I don't think they even, I think they probably thought I was coming back next week or something like that. Like, this is crazy. Like, what? Like, no way. How, How does somebody do that? But when I told my dad about it, he was like, no, this is it. He's like, I don't get this. But if you're telling me that you're doing this for an important reason, then I believe you. And, you know, I'm all for it. That's what he said.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I could understand they'd be like, "Yeah, nothing that you said makes any sense," and I'm opposed to it. Versus, "Nothing you said makes any sense, but I believe in you." Like, what a blessing!
2: Right, right, and yeah, I, and it's it's kind of it, to me it's it's a little bit of a dream because of of what we've been able to uh, accomplish from a financial perspective, and I'm mm-hmm. not here to. I'm not here to be bragging about that, but it
0: no, that doesn't come across.
2: But the the amount, okay, and and I'm just I know it's hard for most people that are even listening to this to understand is the amount of upside and money that you can make online is it's there's no limit to it, okay. And and I'm not telling you to start an account with the idea of just making money online, but if you provide value into the world, you dedicate yourself to it, you start to teach other people um especially if you can teach them how to make more money and or save them time right so people are going to just flock to it they're going to go to it and you know if you want to monetize it you can you can just focus on ideas if that's all you want to do but building an audience is a form of currency in society mm-hmm. because attention is the most important thing that matters right so If you're able to build an audience and you're able to have people that love what you do and who are like, oh my gosh, I love these guys' tweets or what he writes about or his emails about or his YouTube videos are about. If you're able to have an audience, you're able to influence. And hopefully you're doing this in 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 an ethical manner, of course. Right. I don't know that anyone
0: really can understand who hasn't built an audience. It's something that I had to think through. You know, because I think Jordan Peterson, he quit, he quit Twitter recently over a bunch of stuff, but not even about him, but guys at his level or guys at your level. It's like, you can get out your phone. You can type 280 characters or less and hit send a split second impulse of thing. And that thought, that statement can go viral around the world instantly. Like unprecedented in human history. Right. Unprecedented.
2: I, th- I think people, uh, yeah. I mean, just think about this for a second. I have a tweet that I want to find this, the numbers. Okay. So here it is right here. This one, this one. Okay. Yeah. And I'll even screenshot and send you the, if anybody doesn't believe this, but I have a tweet. I'm going to read it to you. By age 30, your circle of friends should be talking more about investing and creating side hustles rather than their favorite shows on Netflix. All right. So it's mm-hmm. like a cheap jab on Netflix. Now, when I wrote that tweet, it was intentionally like weaponized so that people who watch Netflix, Kind of like question their reality. Okay, that tweet received 17 million views. Now think about that. Now isn't that mind blowing? 17 million views. Yeah. So here I am on a phone, tweet something out. 17 people, million people are gonna see it. Now that's kind of like an upside, right? I know guys that have had tweets in the 20, 30 million. Um, a typical tweet of mine is gonna get seen by a few hundred thousand within twenty four hours. Okay. So like a quarter million is pretty much the standard tweet that I write these days. Mm-hmm. Quarter million within 24 hours. And I think about that comparison to like a YouTube channel. Like think 20, a YouTube page is getting a quarter million views in a, a, a 24 hours. It's a big YouTube page. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it is. So we're getting those kind of views. I think, um, I want to say probably for the year we'll do something like, Two hundred fifty million views, I would say. I would unbelievable. Say, yeah, uh, maybe. Okay, I say more like two hundred million. Two hundred million, I would say, is what I will probably get for the year. It depends on how hard I go after it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, and it's all from a phone. So people will read these ideas, see it. that's influencing the world, right? And uh, there's more people that saw my tweet that turned into CNN that night, right? <laughs> that's for sure. Right, and. So, so don't, don't sit there and go, wow, it's just Twitter. It's just, you know, it's just, there's not much going on there. And no, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. You can, your ideas can go viral. People will talk about them. They can be spread on other sites. Like I see my tweets all the time. I saw my tweet. I was scrolling on Instagram looking for memes today. And then I ran into one of my tweets, not by written by me. Or, no, it was written by me, but it was a screenshot of one of my tweets by another account. And they were going viral. Oh. With one of, yeah. So
0: I see my stuff. <laughs> they're, going I, on a sc- they're going viral yeah. on a screenshot of your tweet.
2: Yeah, which is cool. That's, like, whatever, <laughs> sure man. Fine. So yeah. I've seen TikTok. I've seen my stuff on Gab. I've seen mine stuff all over Reddit. Um, and that's it's it's fine. If that's what people want to talk about, that's cool. Hopefully, they're thinking about it and reflecting on life in a certain way. Because yeah, I don't consider myself political. It's not overtly religious, right? But there are right. undertones to it, right?
0: Well, what are your these former friends of yours or former former coworkers? Are you in touch with anyone from your from your teaching days?
2: Um, I talked to a couple people. Um, most of the people. So the band, you know, this is this is kind of funny. Like not not a lot of people, but the band director world is like really hardcore. It's like high school football coaches. There's no difference. Sure, yeah. And it's like, oh, you're leaving. Like you know, like you left a cult, man. You're, you're mm. leaving the cult of the band world. So a lot of the band guys, I think they have a hard time trying to fathom what I do these days. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I write viral tweets and teach people <laughs> how to write them. And <laughs> and I wrote you a put guide, it that way. You know, I wrote a guide silver so 2000 sales and I, it, to, to them it's i don't i don't i don't i don't want to guess what's inside their heads but a lot of them are just like and there's a lot of people leaving the teaching profession too so so my heart goes out to them there's a lot of they're they're struggling so hard to get to fill spots they've started school again and they're and they're short so many staff because it's it's not a good job and it's turned horrible mm-hmm. so um a lot of these guys don't talk because they're so busy keeping their head above water. Okay. So I don't take it personally. And then the only people they communicate with are other, you know, teachers. So I do talk to some, but, uh, you know, most of the people, the people that I talk to on a daily basis are people who I live around, who I live with and who I made friends with online. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And how about your wife? What does your wife think about this magical mystery tour that you've been on for just two years?
2: It's awesome, you know. Uh, but she she does her own thing, you sure. know. She's she's uh, she thinks it's cool. She thinks it's cool, but she's 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 my wife, you know. My wife. I sound like Borat, but it's like <laughs> it's like I don't I, I don't she doesn't she doesn't need to be on, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to put it like this, but I don't think she wants to be on social media really. And she doesn't need to be on social media. Like her, you know, that, that's all I'm going to say about that.
0: Right. Right. But I mean, like, like in, in the, in the course of two, three years, you've completely transformed the entire way that your family functions. Like you've gone from, or I mean, really six years, six or eight years since you started this journey, since you woke up one day and said, I'm doing this thing. I mean, you've really. Like you, you went into the marriage and the relationship, however long you guys have been together, and you were one man. And then one of the challenges that I find men really have, especially when they're in relationships or married, is that um, they, they have difficulty becoming new versions of themselves because it's difficult to transform in the sight of somebody because you're going to fail. Right. And so you have to risk being, being a fake. Yeah. But like you, you did the thing, and now you're, and you, I'm sure you failed many times along the way. And now you, she, she came into the marriage with you, and you were one guy, and you manifested this other guy that lived within you. And that must be a really cool feeling to look back on like, yeah, like that's the ride, right? There's something really noble about that.
2: Right. I, you know, I guess I have a track record that is mm. good. So it's not like, hey, one day I decided to start a Twitter and quit my job. That's not how it shook down. Like yeah, that's true. I started making, I started making more money online, and uh, the, OK, so I released the course Create 24/ 7, I released it in November of 2020. It made more money in its first month than I made as a teacher, and I was like, wow. and I, I didn't know anything about marketing at the time. I didn't know how to push it. I just, I just sold it online. And I was like. Wow, this is making me more money than as a teacher already. Um, when I first released it, I was like, hey, you know, I'll make it, it'll, it'll be like a, a side hustle that I had been used to my whole life. And yeah, it'll make some extra cash while I'm a teacher. And I enjoy teaching. And uh, then the second month, it made even more money. And then the next month after that, I was making even more money. And then everybody was by my course and they were like, Hey, you need to start a community around this course. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, no, I'm not starting a community. That's so corny. No. But you know, I was, I was listening to them and they were like, no, start a community. Like we're in all of these lame engagement groups. If you guys don't know what an engagement group is, bless yourself, because I don't know. If you, <laughs> you know? So they're like, we're in these, we want to form like a group, a network, where all we do is talk about what works on social media. Cause it's constantly changing guys. Like that's the thing about social media. Like what works three, four years ago doesn't work today or works at a lo- a lower level of effectiveness. So we wanted to start these groups, share what we're doing, share what we're selling, share what we're tweeting, bounce ideas off each other. It's going to help us with writer's block and it's going to help us make money online because we'll know what other people are doing and support each other. So I was like, no. <laughs> and then I finally listened to my audience. And that's when I started Masterclass, uh, which is masterclass247.com, which became the nexus of a community that we started based around the course. And then from there, I started making way more money than I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was still in the classroom. While all this was my business moved so fast. I was in the where it became stone cold apparent to me that I should leave my job at that point. It was like, I'm making way more money now. Like, and I'm not even full time at this. So, and that's exactly what happened. I left the teaching, um, started to do cohorts, have clients, write for people. Um, and I guess, I, I think you're right. Like, deep down inside, it's hard for you to tr- like, mentally transition. Like, you used to be this one person, and now you're living this other life. But I guess that is who you are in a way, like you mm-hmm. did do these things, right, and that's that's kind of cool too. you know, nobody's ever born into being successful that you have to work your way to it, you know, mm-hmm. and the journey is the coolest part and um so yeah, things have changed, things have changed for sure, but not in a not, nothing in a bad way, and I enjoy what I do every single day, and yeah, sometimes it is hard to fathom like. This has happened, and we're able to be this successful. We're able to write a tweet and it gets seventeen million views, man, and influence people and have people come to you. And be like, you know, as I said yesterday, I had a guy go viral, and you know, he blew up so big yesterday. He's, I think his I don't even I don't even know if I want to look and see how <laughs> I helped him write this, and it is I'm gonna take a look at it right now. He's something that do it, yeah. Yeah, this is wild, man. This one's wild. Oh, 200,000 likes. Um Ugh. yeah, so and I'm really proud of him for that. And I'm not going to say who this is, of course, but sure. he was telling me yesterday cuz he's a client and I was like he's talking to me, you know, he has a girlfriend and he's getting so many DMs from people that want to wor- work with him and you know, talk to him or be you know he does fitness, right? That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it right there. Anyway, yeah. so he has that, and you know people around him, like you know, are they don't understand what that's like. You know, I'm just going to say that much. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for real, yeah, that's like, all I'm going to. That's, that's yeah, it is, it is, it is a, it is a thing. And then when you have like one of these tweets go viral, you're going to get a lot of. You know, hey, do you want to be on this? Do you want to be on this podcast with us? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this interview? Do you want to, um, you know, are you looking to take students? Are you looking for this? So it's it's interesting. It's interesting because uh, most people don't realize all that stuff that comes with it.
0: Yeah, you you become a a public figure almost overnight, and and you get all you get all the the positive benefits of attention and the negative benefits of attention and. Some of the negative benefits of attention yeah. aren't, even, aren't even the hate. The negative benefits are like, like I, I run into this on Instagram. It's, like, it's that I get so many DMs from people like, I've got this going on in my life, can you help, et cetera. And it's, it's one of the things that comes with the territory, writing about the things I do and some of the guys that I'm connected to is that people reach out for advice. And that's a really wonderful thing that people, that people feel that level of trust and they're willing to open up about their lives. It's also, there's also a time investment in that, Right. And so that's one of the negative benefits of attention is is suddenly you become, in some small way, responsible for the people's lives that you benefit. And it's a strange phenomenon that I don't know that anyone really fully understands, but that seems to be a part of it. It's like, yeah, you get 200,000 likes on your tweet, you know, you've captured people's attention, and then what are you going to do with that? And there's a responsibility component to that if you're a person of integrity, right? Or you can just ignore it, I suppose, but...
2: Absolutely, but... You know, somebody. You know, people aren't going to understand what kind of time commitment sometimes that entails. So, yeah. what, what I mean by that is, is that, well, I, I, I can't really get into that here. This is something that I just. It, it isn't something that I feel like is something that I should discuss publicly. But sure, there, there's a whole lot of things that go on. Like if you have a viral tweet, and you know, anyway, I'm gonna to try to get less talking about what. What, what, what goes on with that and yeah people I, th- I think people have a have a hard time understanding that if you build an o- like you can build an audience people are gonna you know if you tweet about people things that are people are interested in and you can teach people um you're it's it's almost it's almost impossible to fail really honestly
0: let's let's like be careful what you wish for right like everyone wants to be Everyone talks about wanting to be famous and rich. And we start out, you know, a lot of people will win the lottery, for example, and then they'll be broke within three years because the wealth becomes as much of a curse as anything else. And it can kind of work that way with an audience as well. Like you build an audience and congratulations, you got what you wanted. And now you have to drive this bus and you didn't recognize like, oh, you know what I want to do? I want to do this. Like, well, now you get now here are the keys.
2: No, 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 and like, now, like, Yeah, I, I don't really want to discuss this because I don't yeah because it is actually not a bad thing from a new perspective but it is something that other people aren't going to be able to grasp True. Like, I, which so so if you're listening you're probably like why the hell do i need to listen to this and you're right you don't have to so i want to talk about something else <laughs> okay we'll
0: change we will think, change this
2: i don't i don't think people are going to get it because they're just not it just doesn't happen and it's only something that you can understand by experiencing
0: yes absolutely and you know one of the reasons um and and one of the reasons that that I, I take interest in not this particular subject, but subjects like this, is that what I like doing in my in my podcast, and this is why I enjoy it, is because we all walk around um, surrounded by content creators or friends or parents or whatever, and everyone around us is having their own inner experience. And it's very difficult for people to... Um, the word that gets used is empathy. And I don't like this word because it's overused, but to yeah. imagine themselves in someone else's experience. And one of the things that happens in the world of of content creation just broadly, whether it be a composer or an actor or whatever, right, that whole thing is is that it's difficult for people to imagine like, well, what is it like actually being Taylor Swift or someone like that? Like, hey, she wakes up in the morning and she gets this, you know, she gets the song that she has to perform and then she has to go do this photo shoot as if she's this famous thing, this incredible creator, and then she go does everything that she's told and then she gets this check at the end of the day, you know, not necessarily about her, but it's like, these are the realities that, that, that men, the successful men live with that, that are really important and that speak to their character. Um, And so that's why some of these subjects, not again, not necessarily this subject. That's why they're, they're important to me because we're human beings, we're human beings, you know, trying to be successful in the ways that it means something to us, trying to make an impact in the way that means something to us with families and with histories and with stories. And all these things are as active in the life of whoever you follow on whatever social media platform as they are in your life. And I think that that's really, really important to kind of humanize, to humanize the world. Um, And that's one of the things that I like to do is like, well, let's humanize each other because part of being in this century of the self-mediated kind of realm is that we've dehumanized each other through the distance. And if we have to live in this world of distance from each other where we're all mediated through screens how can we reduce that distance and begin human humanizing each other again with the tools that we have available so that's one of the things that i really like doing so i don't want to obviously get into get into a whole bunch of things but that's why these some of these subjects are interesting to me as my own form of content creator is that no this is a human being on the other on the other line here and let's let's try and appreciate let's try and appreciate that not just so we can appreciate them but so we can appreciate our own story and see our own story reflected in them and so that's why that's why I like doing this because it, it creates the opportunity um for, for men and listeners to have that with each other.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: So uh have you bought a new uh Mustang?
2: No, I haven't bought one. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll break I like talking more about cars as opposed to buying them. So, you know, it's 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 good to, you know, take a look at them and you see them driving and it's like, oh, that's a cool car. But I don't. I don't really have the need to go out there and actually go out there and buy one. Yeah. Plus, it's a terrible environment to actually buy cars. So, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really interested in that.
0: You, you, you don't drive your Leaf anymore, though, right?
2: No, 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 no. Once I once I became a millionaire, I bought myself a Rav Four. So, um, that's 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 how I that's that's the kind of level that I'm at these days.
0: Not a bad level to be at.
2: <laughs> I like my RAV4, man. Don't, don't, don't mock it. So yeah, man. I think to buy, I think if you, if, I think if you are going to ever buy a supercar, I think your net worth needs to be $10 million. I don't know why I just made that up, but um, it seems like, it seems like a, a a decent number to me.
0: That sounds like it'd
2: be a really good tweet. You sound like you might
0: be good at this Twitter thing.
2: <laughs> Maybe I'll turn it into one.
0: Yeah. Well, you've been really super generous with your time, but one uh, one last thing I want to get into is I, I want to talk about these offerings that you have just for a minute: Create twenty four seven and and masterclass, and what you've got going on in these worlds because you've taken all these things that you've learned, and you've taken your past as an educator and and a performer, and, and you've really communicated. And I'm I'm the living proof of this. You've really communicated this in a compelling way. So just talk about some of the philosophies behind these courses and 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 what you aim to do with them and and, um, maybe some of the things you're proud of about them and the men and women that you've benefited in the process.
2: Right. Well, my main course is called Create 24-7. And it's a course that's going to teach you how to build your following on social media from the ground up. It's coming from you from a beginner perspective all the way to running your own business online. And this isn't like a typical course that you're going to take by some guru that's out there. I'm an actual public school teacher and I am fully, I am somebody who really cares about the results that you're going to get. So the how part of it is a big part. So um, if you want to learn how to build an audience online, get the course create 24 seven. It's going to teach you exactly what you do. Step-by-step frameworks for how to grow your audience on Twitter. Um, And then we have another, we have a community called masterclass, which is a community that is, is actually based around the course itself, but it's where we're taught, where we're sharing our tweets, where we're talking about what works all in real time, you know, from a business perspective, from a content creation perspective, helping each other get feedback on their profiles. It's a live community where people are letting people know what they think giving you direct feedback and giving you guidance in a form of a mentorship, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a mastermind really. Um, and then we have create Publish profit, which actually is a mentorship, which is a 30 day cohort that, uh, it's kind of like, Hey, I want more hands on than a create. And these cohorts, man, we get close to a hundred yep. people per cohort and are absolutely fantastic. Some people love them. They just want to be like, all right, I want to, know what's inside this course create 24 seven but i also want to know how while i'm doing it all together like what do you guys think this profile i put put this give you feedback uh, we'll talk about tweets we'll give challenges out um and then we do like customized lessons meetings chit chats all these things during the 30 days i mean as, as far as the the proof behind it i've got people that are running full six-figure businesses from the course create 24 7. They're like, yeah, I took Crate 24-7 and now I make 100,000 plus online. That's not a joke. Um, I know many people that are doing that. Um, I had in the last round of Crate Publish Profit, uh, we had someone getting 50,000 followers on Twitter and then I helped her put together an offer where she's selling ghostwriting services to other accounts that are in the thousands. Okay, so I helped someone to do that in the last Create published Profit. And, uh, and actually, I do some coaching too. Like, I've got somebody, wow. He's just showing me this, the couple hundred thousand likes on a post, 21 million impressions, and then closing in around 10K-ish for the day from this. It's because they have offers as well, okay? Yeah. So I think people are like, do you just make money off of the views? No, you make money when you are able to get a lot of eyes and traffic on your posts and then you combine it with some kind of offer that you have behind it. So I don't want to make, make people think that like, Oh, you just make an account and you get lots of followers and people buy from, and people and Twitter sends you a check. That's not how it works. No, it's not how it works is how it works is you create offers. And those offers are built around making people money, saving people time. And so that's what we do. So I'll actually like coach like fitness guys, other writers um, on how to grow their social media accounts. And then they start making more money, which is cool. So, (laughs) (laughs) which is what I love to see.
0: And that was the mind shift for me was that, um, that these, these tools, these social media tools are a tool for self-expression and that's great, but they can be used so much more powerfully as a giant net to catch clients and 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 make offers and to use them to advance the ideas further than just you know sharing the ideas themselves right that was the big might of like oh okay that especially twitter that twitter is especially powerful for that
2: right and create 24/7 is going to teach you exactly what you need to know too in the fastest amount of, so like you take it it's going to be like this is what you do day 1 install this mindset put together this kind kind of profile right gives you some guidelines and then then it's going to start talking to you about all the ways that you can create content online, how to write threads, how to write standalone posts, how to start building an email list if you want to put one of those together, how to start creating an offer if you want to put together, how to, how to position your tweets if you're trying to get somebody to buy a product. I mean, we study tweets a lot, okay? It's kind of like, you know, a, Twitter's like our laboratory. So we study tweets and we reveal all of that to people who purchase our courses.
0: And then, and then uh, Create Publish Profit is sort of the 30-day mentorship to, um, to uh, practice in the community, in a cohort, all the, all, the ad- all the ideas and create 24-7.
2: Yeah, people love cohorts, man. They love, yeah. like, hey, we're going to get together. So if you don't know what a cohort is, it's just a, a band of people. It's like the, a merry band. And I limit it to about 100 people per cohort. And we only get to and we get together for 30 days and it's like it's like boot camp. It's like it's like Twitter boot camp. Day one, we get on stage with like other and I bring along it's not just me. That's the beauty of a lot of my stuff. It's not just me. Yeah. I should have mentioned that earlier, actually. It's like all guys who are just absolute killers in each different field. Like Savior Sons, who has like a quarter million followers, he he teaches ideas on Twitter growth. And then I have professional ghostwriters join me, like get paid writing. These guys have clients, they make they they make money online. Um, Tessa Davis is going to join us on the next one. And they actually like edit your tweets for you too. Like if you mm-hmm. want somebody to like, oh, does this look good? Well, they'll take a look at it and we'll teach you exactly what you need to do and how to transform them. And then we have guys like Eddie Kwan, who's a great friend of mine. You know, <laughs> he's one of those guys that came onto Twitter just to make money. Mm -hmm. proudly, Mm -hmm. but it's a good person to learn from when you're like, Hey, I want to start thinking about monetization. So he teaches people how to make offers and I'm kind of like the principal and I'm there every single day. Okay. I'm in the classrooms too. um, Alongside with all of the teachers, I teach some of the lessons and uh, we're there every step of your way, holding your hand through the whole process. And it's basically learning everything we know about social media In 30 days. And I mean, you can basically spend two or three years trying to figure it out on your own, or you can like hop into our 30 day uh, create, publish, profit cohort and learn alongside with us. So if you leave a link to it in the notes, we only do them every month. Our next one's in October, and you can join us for that if you'd like. Um, But then uh, I believe the next one after that will be January, and then the next one after that will be April. And each one of our cohorts has like a different theme. So this one in October is going to be a lot around profit because people are interested in learning how to profitize. It's the last quarter of the year, right? And there's a lot of people who want to learn more about offers. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then in January, a lot of people are just going to want to start a social media. Maybe you're thinking to start a new one. Well, they're all good to start if you're just starting a new one. (laughs) Right, right. They're all good, but especially the gen. So. Hop on in and in, invite you. It'll it'll change the way that you see social media. It's a look inside the laboratories of people who create content online, and we do not hold back.
0: You don't. That was the thing. I think I've told this to you. Like The thing that impressed me most about, because uh, I started out with um, Create Publish Profit, and I just started going through it, and then I got into, um, and then I got into, um, no, I started with Create 24-7, and then I got into Create Publish Profit. And I, I remember saying how impressed I've been just how much you put in, you personally put into the course that you put in the materials, like you're, you're a real proof. You know, I don't mean to like big you up in this way, but I, I mean this very sincerely, like the amount of value that you put into the stuff that you do blows me away. Like that was, that as, that was as much of a mind shift, like the amount of value that you pour into the things that you give to your students is, is really, really impressive. And that's the part that I think people are looking for is, you know, if, if they, spend x they want to be able to get back x times five and that's the sign of a good creator someone's able to do that and that's why i recommend your stuff so heavily because i know how much of yourself that you put into it
2: right i want people it doesn't matter what what i do and i preach this often there's so many bad you know guru content creator people out there that you know you take their course or you go join their community and it's just basically a sham right yeah and yeah i i I talk i've actually met david nunez who works at mit and he was like yeah when i when i bought yours i had like the lowest expectations Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's like i opened it up and i started reading it and i was like what on earth like this is unbelievable and that's really what i want people to experience um i mean to me it's not really difficult to do so i just do it you know. Like I could put together slop like some of these other guys do and then you take it and then what's the point? Like people are going to look at it and it's a reflection of you. You should play a long-term game when you're building on social media. There's unlimited upside. And so if I were to put together some kind of garbage course and they go through it and it's like just some little PDF and a couple of files and doesn't really teach anybody anything. You know, people are going to look at my account and they're going to be like, oh, this guy's a bunch of BS, right? Mm-hmm. I gave him money and he's never worth my time again. But I want people to go through anything that I do and then for them to walk out of it just being raving. It's like you go into a restaurant, right? And you go to it and you're just absolutely blown away. What happens? You walk out and you start telling all your friends about it, right? And... That's kind of how I've relied on getting word of mouth out. Like people take this course and they're just like, "Whoa!" And the fact that we've sold over two thousand copies of it is just absolutely wild of the Create 27 mm-hmm. course. And you know, people people look at it and they're just like, "Wow, I learned so much about how social media works and how it really works." They wind up telling a few other people. They write articles about it. They make YouTube videos about it. And that's the kind of, you can't pay for that, right? I don't pay for advertising. Don't have to. I didn't want to do that. I was taking like that Elon Musk approach with Tesla, where it was like, I want people to get in the car and then just be like, wow, you know, back when Tesla was good. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've approached it like that as well, is I didn't. I, I wasn't a marketer when I first started the course. The course initially was a content creation course only. Now it's grown into something much bigger. So when people went through it, they were like, "Whoa, this is helping me write tweets so well, and I'm understanding the content creation process at a deeper level, at a core level. I understand it. And that's and they started telling people, so as, a, as we've evolved, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have to rely on cheap marketing techniques to sell it. Mhm. Which I think made the course better and really makes everything that I do better because I didn't want to sell it through marketing or having like a you know, it's nice to have you should put together a great landing page and a great copy of course and great emails and stuff. Of course you should. Of course you should. And uh but I didn't want that to be how it sold. I wanted people to just be like you got to take a look at this and cuz you can't pay for that enthusiasm.
0: No, I mean th- I, I'm here and we're doing this podcast because I got so much out of your course. And like the word of mouth that, you know, I, I look at it now and after having this conversation with you, I can see now why it was I got so much out of it. Like it's not just the content itself, which of course is great. By the way, I had purchased two Twitter courses before and I won't say whose, um, uh, but I think they're probably pretty well known uh, before I bought yours. And when I started reading through the content, not only was was the content really clear and really compelling and really powerful, but you had you had bolstered it with images and it and it actually had this quality of 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 some of that classical music kind of approach. Like there was so much thought and skill put into it that I felt like, oh, this is a space that I can trust. And then that's why I was like, okay, because I, I bought uh, Create Twenty Four Seven and I really liked it. And I did it with the um, we did with we did the consulting call as well. Um, which I, which was really powerful for me. And then you did the announcement of uh, of Create Publish Profit. And it was like, I had just I had just bought Create 24-7. And so here's CPP coming up. I'm like, okay, it feels like I would get a lot out of this. And so I don't usually do that sort of like, I'll buy one thing and then buy another thing from the person right away. But it was so compelling right away that I dove in for the larger offer. And like, I don't usually do that. Um, but because you had put so much into it, that's why I really felt like, okay, this would be worth the investment. And when I got out of the cohort, shout out to one Alex Powell, like new best friend, she's great. You know, and I made so many friends and connections to that, that it really, it all centers around how much you, you care about what it is that you're doing and you, you care about your students in the same way that you would bring, I would imagine that you would have brought to your band days as well.
2: Right, it's the same thing. I view the, my Twitter classroom the same as I do when I taught public school. know, I put a lot into it. Um, I have a lot of pride between what I do for you know I want people to learn that's the difference and you know a lot of products that you buy online are made by marketers. That's one yeah. of the problems they're, they're coming from it from a marketer's standpoint. and first of all, they don't know how to teach. okay So I do so <laughs> that's one of the reasons right. why in the course hits so hard is because I'm looking at it. I want you to understand everything you need to know from the ground up on how to build an audience and monetize online. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a real time saver is what I want to say about the course. Like, yeah, you can start a Twitter account and just try to figure it out on your own. You can, you're really dedicated to it, Mm -hmm. but it's basically really all of my notes and other people's notes as well. That's the other cool part because it has modules and we have guests, even in Create 24 seven, there's, you know all these other accounts that are on on there that are showing some of their secrets as well mm-hmm. so um it's it's basically what you need to know about building an online presence on social
3: yep it's
0: exactly that and the community that you've built around it is exceptional as well
2: i appreciate it man yeah i appreciate it um yeah this has been a great chat dude and you know Reach out to me, follow me on Twitter. You can reach me at, at creation247. Give me a follow if you've never seen my stuff out there before. or And or go to the show notes and check out either CPP, uh, which is our cohort, uh, Masterclass, our community, or if you just want to take the course, just go to create247.
0: All those things, including your Twitter and Instagram profile, will be linked in the show notes.
2: I appreciate it.